Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. And here we are on a Wednesday. Should have been normally an origin game, but it's the standalone weekend this weekend. Boxhead for the first time in a long time for the state of origin and a mid-season break for all clubs. But mind you, there is the rep round. So, uh, you know, the whole point of it obviously was to get a bit of a break, but there's plenty of players still playing this weekend. Yeah, half the players will get a break, I guess. The other half will... Some are going to Denver. Some aren't going very far at all. Um, Some are coming down from Queensland and New South Wales. So, yeah, I like the concept. I think it's better timing being a little bit later. Like, what is it, round 15 now? So... Um, a little bit later in the year, I like it. I like the compressed origin. I think there's still a few things that we could tweak, but that's probably for another podcast. But um, Could, uh, I do, I do like it a lot better than how we've previously run the competition. Definitely heard a lot of, uh, well, I don't know about complaints, but people saying they don't really feel like it's an origin week because of the shorter turnaround and that there hasn't been a lot of build up and they're not hearing about it in the papers and on the TV and all this kind of stuff. People, but, people have just got this penchant to be negative. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. To be honest, for me, I'm looking forward to it. I like the short turnaround. Yeah. I think it throws a bit more drama in. I think the injuries on the weekend. Good or bad, how you perceive it, uh, perceive it made me think about Origin even more. Every game I watched in the weekend, I had Origin in the back of my mind yeah. and the implications coming into this You know what? One. For the people saying that even the coaches, like I've heard the coaches, you know it's going to be different. Well, hang on a minute. You let your players out of camp on a Friday and they come back on a couple Sunday, of days off anyway. So it may, that really makes it an eight-day camp and this is a seven-day camp. Yeah. What's... So there's no difference. And, and Freddie... The boys that were available went in on Saturday night. So they've basically had an eight-day eight camp anyway. Yep. There's no difference. It just means you don't get that weekend off with your family. But I guess the the carrot there is, is the fact that the game's on a Sunday night, not a Wednesday night. It's, I, don't, I don't have an issue with it. And the other thing as well, uh, they had New South Wales side of things. They had everything cleared up by the day after anyway. Maloney, sciatic nerve. I've had one of those before. Can be it didn't look, it looked like a hamstring or something like that. It was, so it's I, the top thought, of the glute. So yeah. basically, they can manipulate that needle it, do a bit of massage. You yeah, can be so good the, in a couple of for days. For me, I thought yeah. if it's a hamstring, you might have right. trouble. But then once they said it's a sciatic nerve, yeah. I was like, nah, that'll be feel A bit of fine. massage, you can work that. And yeah. obviously, Latrell, very scary moment. Very, very scary moment on the weekend. And even mm. more uh, crazy that the bloke who accidentally kind of went under him or on top of him when he rammed into him was... Uh, Nathan Cleary, yeah. his teammate, but he was cleared. It was a hyperextension of the neck. They were saying that within 48 hours, best case scenario, if the muscles relax and everything kind of went back to normal, yeah. he should be oh, okay. He'd, he'd be having round-the-clock physio anyway. Yeah. The one for me, Boyd Cordner absolutely chinned someone in that game. I can't think of who it was, but absolutely cleaned some bloke up. They didn't even penalise him. It didn't go on report. Like I, I, If someone can tweet us... I. At the time, I thought, I've got to take a photo of this or I've got to um, write this down in my notes in my phone for the podcast. But I, I forgot. It was a Friday night and I was 
in you know wind down mode. But uh, yeah, go back and watch it. I think it was in the first half. He Boy Corner absolutely cleaned someone up, hit him flush on the jaw. So well, there was two others. Tyron Peachy sailed close to the wind with one where he dropped in on top and he held himself back. And I thought he shoulder charged someone else during that game. And mm. David Clemmer obviously hung an arm out and had another pretty silly tackle I thought I saw during yeah. that game. So he put himself close to the wind over the weekend as well. But Jeez, my team won that game and I found that game hard to watch. Oh, it was difficult to watch. But the only change for New South Wales obviously comes in the form of Campbell Gillard having that displaced fracture. Yeah, and we said this, I said this last week. You know, like there's going to be a change. Someone's yeah, going to get injured. Someone's going to get injured. Uh, people surprised or, you know, blowing up about Matt Pryor. I don't see it as such a big thing. I think it was given away that he was going to play the moment he got brought so into the squad. who are they going to pick? I'm a Titans fan, and I have absolutely no issue with Matt Pryor going in. Mm-hmm. I think horses for courses, he's the like for like, like Brad Fittler has said. He's very similar to RCG. Um, he gives you Ryan James's output for 80 minutes in about 50 minutes. So that means he works harder while he's on there. I know, obviously, Ryan James has got to pace himself for the games that he plays 80 minutes in. I get that. Yeah. But Ryan James's time will come. You know, he's playing good footy. I think the only criticism I could have of Ryan James is that that footy isn't consistent enough. I think this year, particularly for the last four to six weeks, I think he's been very consistent. But for the last three or four years of his career, I don't think he's been consistent enough to be considered for origin. So that's something he's got to work on. I think that where he let himself down, I think it was maybe two years ago or three. I think it was two seasons ago. He had that massive year. Set he was leading tries. Try scoring tri-score. all the time of front rowers. He got 12 in a season. He had a massive yeah. year. But I thought the year after it, when he had his chance to really hit it home, he didn't. Uh, has he played in he a club cool. that has been struggling, which usually kind of brings you down somewhat? Yes. Has he a lot of, had a lot of help around him? No, but the better players still kick on and play that sort of football if you want to be a rep footballer, regardless of the situation. So uh, I don't have a big problem with it. My thought personally, and again, I, you know, I'm not coaching New South Wales, but I kind of thought they would have given Sims the opportunity, given his form. Yeah, and how, I thought, how are you going to make that work? Well, I basically had Jake going to play lock, DeBellin playing prop, which is no different to the lock role that he's playing at the moment. Like and it. I had Sims going to the bench. No. He's played prop, he plays an edge, he plays both. I just thought for the 30 minutes or the role that he was going to take, the intent, the anger, and the way that Sims plays would have been very conducive. But he hasn't, he hasn't played front row in a long time. He played it last year, but no. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. When? Not for the whole last year, year, he didn't. Yeah, when no. he moved, that was his role last year. Joel Thompson was still there. His role was playing in the front row. Okay, yeah, I, I just don't see Tarek Sims as an effective front row. That's just me. I, I love him on the edge. And look, I'm not bagging him. No. I, I think he deserves a spot, but I don't think you disrupt the cohesion of your team you get in someone who is exactly the same as a player going out, and that's what he's done in Matt Pryor, and I, I like what Freddie's done. Well, I look at it two ways. I have absolutely no problem with Matt Pryor. Over 200 games, he's played two grand finals. He's a grinder, and the one thing he has that a lot of our players don't is that bit of dog in him. He's got that intent. He's an angry bloke, or as we like to say, he's got that bit of shark in him. The Sharks play that grubby, hard style of football. They're willing to dish it out, and it's one thing we don't have a lot of in New South Wales. We've got too many nice guys. Mm. Matt Pryor, I also think, to, compared to James again as a middle, is a better defender. I think he's one of the best ruck defenders in the comp. He's got one of the best sticks. He wins all his rucks. He's very good in his contact. And his carries solid. I think his carries underrated. It's not a death charge like you'd get out of Campbell Gillard, but you know he's effective. He's strong enough to find his front. And he can pop an offload every now and then. Good yeah. feet at the line. But number one thing, wet track, ANZ, that kind of game, tying up the middle. Matt Pryor was the best choice, and I have no problem with it. And again, 31 years of age, bringing in somebody like that, it's not for experience. I think it was written on the wall the moment he was added that he was very likely to be playing in the front row. Uh, on the Queensland side of things, obviously Michael Morgan, that torn bicep, they were saying he was going to miss the rest of the Origin Series. Now it looks like he's just going to miss the rest of the season full stop. I don't think it's a bad idea. 
their season's over. He already has the sports hernia in his stomach that's been restricting him. Now he's got the bicep. I just think you do the double whammy with the surgery and get him right for next year. Yeah, I agree. You're about to pay him a million dollars to take over Thurston's role. Why keep punishing the bloke when he's got problems? Particularly when your season's over. Fix um, him. And I'm not sure whether he's been injured, but he certainly hasn't been playing he as has. good as he did. He last needs that year. surgery on his stomach as well. So that's what I'm looking at. If you've got a double whammy and you, he's your investment going forward now at a million dollars a season, you fix him. Yeah. It's over. It's a no brainer. It's, it's done. So. For them, he is out of the side. Obviously, Milford dropped in the form of Ponga. He lost Morgan. I, I thought Morgan probably had his best game of the year in any jersey in game one. I thought yep. he was good. Well, the other change, obviously, Billy Slater comes back in. I'm not convinced, though. I honestly am of the opinion. We'll see. We'll see. I'm of the opinion of what I said at the start of the series, that I would have moved on from him and Scott. And Scott, I don't have a problem with my words on that because, again... The knee problem, the couple of weeks prior, been fit. and then he now he's got a neck problem, and he's done. In my like, why pick him for one more year when you've blooded eight last year? Well, I think you just move I, on. I think if he was fit to start the series, I would have picked him. Uh, I think they cocked up not picking him game one. I don't think he would have won on the game, but no. Um, I think I think they genuinely would have picked him for game two if he was fit, and he wasn't. So no. move on now. Yeah, definitely. I, I he's someone who I just thought would have added a little bit of experience. If you're trying to blood those young players, I think you need to stick with some sort of structure from the old guard to transition in the new guard. And I think Scott Slater, uh, even Michael Morgan to an extent, he's he's now a senior player in that Queensland side. Uh, you know, you've got Greg Inglis there, obviously, and Joshua Will, Parley. Will and Chambers other guys. have Will played Chambers. enough games for Parley's played yeah. enough games. So, look, I, I just look and go, well, they brought Glasby in. Wallace wasn't that great in game one. Well, so he's 18th man. For he's me, not in. I think it'd be you know I, no, I can't see Napa being right to play, but that's just me. Well, the one the way that Napa came off the field on Friday night, I thought there's no hope you're playing Origin. Yeah, and the one that still stands out for me, and I wanted him in there, is Joe Fangali, and I thought he did himself no harm again on the weekend. 160 plus off the bench, couple offloads, played plenty of minutes, effective in his post contact. I don't think they have enough punch in the middle to bend the line back. I think he brings that. Mm. Um, and again, another one of these guys moving forward that I think if you've blooded eight last year, you won this series. Do you win this year? I don't know. But when you've got guys that are in their last series and things are on the line and you've already blooded, I think you just move forward. So in my opinion, and we're going to preview it kind of both ways, I honestly think that Billy, I think Billy Slater is going to miss this game and Pong is going to play fullback. If that is the case and Narp is out as well, Glasby comes in. They also brought Feld into camp. I think that's more just for a shadow. I don't know if there's anyone else with a problem. Dan Gagai, you suspect with that finger, he's already played club football mm-hmm. and the Origin game. So you don't think that's going to be an issue. But um, yeah, I, I personally... Still would have had Offerhand Gowie somewhere in my side, maybe even for Hess. I don't think he's been playing well enough, and they threw him on in the middle, but um, see what happens there. But I think well, I'm with you. I think Napa and Slater both missed the game. And if Slater plays, as a Storm fan, I'm disappointed. But as a New South Wales fan, I'm bombing him and bashing him, and I'm working him over. Because he didn't have a tear in that hamstring before game one. He had a strain. Mm-hmm. If he's now got a tear in it, I'm going after Billy Slater. He's not 100%. I don't care what anyone says. He's not 100% for this game. No, I've, I had a slight tear in my hamstring once, and I still feel it to this day. Not not all, all the time, but there's times where it just pinches and it gets sore. And even when I had it, I kept playing with it, but it never got any better. It was just restricting, and it was annoying. So, you know, I don't think it's one of those injuries. It's probably one of those injuries where, like Billy's been saying in the media the last three weeks, oh, I could have played, could have played. Like, you feel as though you could play, but then when you get out there and you try and go, you can't. You don't have that confidence in it. So. And he's, he's an explosion he's, player. Exactly. He needs to be able to take off. And I've, I'm missing part of my left one from when I had a reconstruction. And ever since, 
I've had a couple of the tears and it's a nightmare. And mm. physios tell you the same thing. It is one of the hardest things to rehab. It is an absolute pain in the ass to work yeah. on a hamstring. Um, but getting into more game-specific things that for New South Wales, obviously, prior, like for like, I think that probably means maybe there's an increased role for Vaughan off the bench, maybe Clemmer DeBell and a couple of these guys that only got 40, 30 minutes or whatever they did in the first game, maybe get an extra 10 minutes or so in that kind of share. But I don't think a whole lot changes for New South Wales as no. far as the way they approach their interchanges. Frizzell will move into the middle. Crichton will go to that right edge. DeBell and Fuchibojevic, et cetera, are rotating through their middles. They've got minutes in their forward pack, as we spoke about. He has the luxury that he doesn't even have to really give guys a lot of time. Hence, game one, Vaughan only played 27 minutes. Clemmer only played two or three more. Uh, we've got guys there that play big minutes at club football and do a very, very good job. So it gives him the flexibility to adjust as the game uh, in the game as he sees fit. As we saw with Peachy, he wasn't really needed for game one. He gave Roberts a rest at the end because Peachy plays centre at club football just to get him in the game and to get Roberts off with that dodgy Achilles. Um, yeah. He's got that luxury. So... And that side of things, I don't think a lot changes there. But as far as what we did well in game one, what we didn't do well, I think our set starts, as you brought up, definitely need to get better. We didn't change the point of the attack. They kind of put us in corners. We tried to one out or scoot out with our smaller wingers. I thought Addo Carr did a pretty good job. But at the back end of the game, Tommy Trevojevic got better. Tedesco was all right as well. But I just think in yardage, we got ourselves trapped and we struggled a little bit. It took one of our forwards, usually Boyd Cordner in particular, who had some really, really good yardage carries to kind of get us out of trouble. And on the back of not only that and our set starts, our kicking game was quite poor. Mm. The only couple of effective kicks we had were two from Nathan, I think, that got us repeat sets, and one that was like a drop for Morgan at the back. But other than that, all night, there were some off kicks because they got good kick pressure. We kicked fairly short when we were trying to kick long. There was a few miscues, and a lot of the time we found their back three on the full. Yeah, we need to address that, definitely. Um, I think also kick... uh Kick protection, you know, that's something that we're going to address as well. So, yeah, I, I think in our review, I, I look at this game, it's, very, it's not a hard game to preview, but I think basically our review from game one is going to flow into game two. Mm. Uh, there hasn't been great changes for New South Wales, so I expect them to improve. Uh, they've got the weight of history on their back, um, which is going to be difficult. That pressure, they, they coughed up this game last year. Exactly the same scenario, 1-0 up, going to ANZ. Queensland have got nothing to lose. No. I think- They've got nothing to lose. They, they probably weren't expected to win last year's series, to be fair. Um, they're definitely not expected to win this series. Even before this series kicked off, they were a dollar. Oh, they, what were they, 250 outsiders just to win the series, which well, was pretty disrespectful. Now they're $5 or so to win yeah. the series, and they're 360 in this game coming back to yeah. New South Wales. So. And they're a much better shout than, than that. They, they led Origin 1 uh, with 35 minutes to go, and it wasn't until the Blues sort of clicked in that 20-minute period um, that they really overcame Queensland. So, mm-hmm. And like everyone's sort of spoken about, it's been covered or widely covered. I think, uh, you know, it's the loser, the side that loses game one probably learns more. Yeah, and, and they generally come with a bit more intent yeah. because they're not caught up in the result that they've already had. But. And the Blues are going to be very apprehensive. It's going to be, There's a lot of pressure on New South Wales. Yeah. It's a different sort of feeling. They're going into this game knowing that they're one up, knowing that they're expected to win, knowing that it's a home crowd, yep. knowing that there's pressure, knowing what happened last year, knowing we've only won one out of the last 14. Or this is more is. difficult than game one, I think, for even difficult. the debutants because now they've got to wrap their head around the fact they can yep. get the job done here. Not only that, and not from a selfish or individual point of view, but for a lot of the younger guys, this is a chance to get that incumbency like some of those Queenslanders moving forward. If you win a series, you are not guaranteeing yourself, but if you do the right thing and you're healthy come next year, you are likely to get the chance to come back and 
keep moving forward. Yeah. So this is a real chance for all these young guys to stamp a claim on a jersey and try and push on. So there is a lot at stake in this game individually and as a team yeah, for a lot right. of these players. Right. But, um, I think just some slight improvements out of game one. Our left edge D, I know they only got us once with that kick in behind, but it's still something that I think Queensland are going to look at and go, we need to go after it. Maloney, injured or not, Latrell with his bump, they're going to go after those guys again on that left-hand side. Uh, Addo Carr over there as well. They got us with a kick. They didn't really throw much more, but I think we're going to see a lot more of the case that they reload to the post and try and get back to that edge more so. We know that Maloney's missed the most tackles in the NRL and he's under a bit of a cloud there, but I just thought game one, they didn't throw enough traffic that way and they got quick play the balls and they looked pretty dangerous when they went there, but that's something surely they're going to throw more traffic at with Will Chambers, Felice Kafusi, Ben Hunt actually needing to run the football a bit more. Yeah, but, they're, they're going to challenge both centres and wingers more. Yeah. But, you know, how easy it's going to be to get to those areas of the field, good conditions. Different track. Yeah, but Brad Fittler said on, I think it was on the Sunday footy show, I heard him talking about the track at um, ANZ. They were there for the Friday night game between, I don't know, Thursday night game between Parra and South. South. He said that there's a lot more grass and it, it seems a lot more lush. And So it'll be interesting, man. We've got a lot, of, a lot of rain, obviously, early this week. It's now Wednesday. It's going to rain a little bit tomorrow, but then it's going to clear up from there. It's been very windy as well, and the wind will take the moisture out of the surface, so it'll hopefully dry it up a little bit quicker. And mm-hmm. Look, I'm hopeful we get a dry deck. Oh, I'm hoping so too. I also think... The earlier kickoff, I think it's 7.40. So now, theoretically, when it's usually half-time, it'll be full-time. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they do kick it off at 7.40. Oh, well, who knows? Who knows with a TV. Exactly. I think the other one for me, speaking of Maloney, he just needs to improve in general. I know a lot of people had mixed reviews and some people wrapped him and said he had a couple of tri-assists. To be honest, Tommy Trebojevic made that kick. Uh, you know, Tedesco set up that other try that he had there. I know he laid on one of the other ones, but... His goal kicking was one thing I wrapped before game one. He missed a couple of kicks that could have come back to bite us on the arse. He made a few errors and he threw that intercept. Mm. I know he's very good at moving on from these things and just keep pushing forward, but we can't have mistakes on this, in particular on this heavier track or what we expect may be a harder track to get points on. We can't be giving points away and the goal kicking has to be clutch. I still honestly think even for Penrith that Nathan should be kicking. I don't know if he's not just because he's back from that injury. I think it's it's more It's more that plant leg, as we know, is very important. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Maloney's just got to improve all around. Set starts we've already talked about. Roberts on the other side, though. Involvement. I know I've kind of highlighted here that the right edge in general probably didn't have as much involvement in the game because we were better on the left. Inglis is on that side of the field. But at the same time, I don't want to single him out because I think he was he was their best player in game one. But at club football for South, why that left edge is their best attacking edge, that's also their, their most vulnerable defensive edge. Agreed. So I don't know why we didn't throw a little more traffic there. So I think Nath, Frizzell, Roberts have got to get more football. Roberts was barely sighted there. And I think him in particular just coming in and helping out in yardage and defensively why he did enough to hold off Greg Ellis. He got a lot of help, as we highlighted in our review from Nathan. Nathan made some great second efforts and cover efforts to help out uh, his outside man there in game one. Yeah, he did. So that's very important for New South Wales. The cook factor stands again. I think on this wet track, he's even more important if it is going to be a heavy track. And that comes down to our middles, who we spoke about, in all honesty, were not blown off the park, but I thought Queensland did more than enough or if not won the points decision for me in game one. As much as Wallace, Napa, a couple of these guys weren't as good, I thought a lot of our blokes took a while to warm into the game. And the only real kind of standout was probably Jake's stint and DeBellin's 40-minute stint were really, really good. And Frizzell when he went there, but... Vaughan only got a small stint. Clemens, 30 minutes, I thought were okay. Campbell Gillard's first stint was pretty, you know, so-so. He was better in his last stint. But all of our middles have got to improve. We have to win 
the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. And similar to the first game, if Napa plays and he's injured, you've got to go after him. You've got to put that extra traffic on him, McCulloch, oh. just try and burn those guys no, up in the middle. Um, yeah, I just think that. But all around, our goals, yeah, I think it's just, yeah, work over that middle. Get at Napa, especially if he plays. Slater, get stuck into him. Bomb and bash, put him in the corners, test him out. Kick pressure hunt, as we did in game one, because he was the primary. More traffic has to go definitely at that left-hand edge. Um, and we've got to be better at containing Inglis and Munster. That's just, yeah. Win the middle, though, I think is the real big we've one. We've got to win the middle and win field position. That is more important in this game and those set starts. It's going to be harder to get your sets rolling or move the ball, as we said, and change the point of attack in those wet conditions. But yeah. um, a bit there. For Queensland, though, Slater, does he last? Or if he if he does play, I think that helps him out massively. As we know, he's one of the best. He is the best organisational player in the competition from the back. He'll make them better defensively. He'll be better in attack. We'll get that right-side combination we spoke of that dominated in the grand final and last season from Melbourne. Billy loves to sweep to the right. He's got Chambers. He's got Felice there. Uh, I think that featured in three of the tries in last year's grand final playing that shape. And that'll be going at that vulnerable edge we spoke about. They didn't get tested enough in game one of Maloney, Latrell Mitchin, and uh, Addo Carr. If Pong is playing fullback, well, that's a completely different dynamic. But we've already seen that compared to some, I guess, Billy, Billy's got that speed or a bit of skill to kind of sum numbers up. But I think Ponga brings a completely different factor from the fact that you can have a three-on-three on a short side, but he's confident enough to skip across a man and try and get a center or someone to bite into crowd a number. And we've seen it multiple times on the weekend at Newcastle, that the number's not there and he just creates it because he's just that dangerous. He gets a bit of self-doubt in the mind of an outside player like a back row or a centre to bite in and give him someone's inside shoulder or the ability to throw a long pass. Yeah. So depending on who plays, I think that's a big factor. But I also think the kick return will obviously be a bigger factor with Ponga there compared to Slater. Defensive organisation is going to be a huge thing. Yeah. Huge thing. But their tackle effectiveness has got to be better. They need to tackle... Better. They yeah. missed 50 well, odd tackles. Got so. Defense full stop, but in particular on the Chambers Felice edge, they both missed 12 and 10 tackles between mm. them from a Melbourne setup where defense is key. They got embarrassed in particular, Will Chambers by Latrell Mitchell. Yeah. And he tried to niggle and get him to buy it in, and he didn't. But this is a massive game for him, and I'm sure Will Chambers, he doesn't usually like to play two bad games in a row, is going to be straight after Latrell Mitchell again. Mm. And he, in particular, of all people, we speak about it all the time. Center is probably the most defensive, hardest defensive position. You're the linchpin on an edge, basically. Final decision, do we hold? Do we come in? Uh, Will Chambers has to have a better game, especially defending on Latrell Mitchell. Hmm. But 50-plus misses, that's got to improve all over the park. Better spine play, and that's the one thing that you hide a lot when we're at the game. And that was the big difference, as we said in game one. They had a lot more opportunities inside 20 than we did, but they didn't capitalize. You take out Smith, Slater, Cronk, you know, what they've had in the past, Thurston, they've been so good at taking those rare opportunities. This time around, we had less inside 20s. We took those opportunities. But Ben Hunt, McCulloch, Munster, Morgan, White individually had good moments in the game, didn't quite come together. They were way too pre-line. They didn't seem to be enough thrown at us for the opportunities they had. Munster always looked dangerous when he ran the football, but there wasn't enough happening around him for him to break through. He always stands up. He always get quick play of the balls. He created doubt, but... There wasn't quite enough there. Ben Hunt, I didn't thought, I didn't think ran at all, really, or threatened. No, I think so much. He was inhibited by his his, uh, yeah. his leg, so I, I expect him to be better. I thought he was better on uh, Saturday night against Manly. So yeah, mm. yeah. Well, full stop. Spine play has to be better. Yep. Kicking game's got to be better. They've got to be more in the line. I'm sure they'll have some stuff nutted out or planned on, and they'll have more field time 
short of preparation or not because last time most of them sat out. Slater didn't train at all bar one session. Ben Hunt had one run before the game. So him and Munster hopefully will have a bit more nutted out before this game and just need to dig in and have a bit more going on around them because they really didn't throw a lot at us in yeah. game one. Uh, set ends, like we said, better kicks, Ben Hunt. Yardage is the big key for them, and it was great again in, in game one. I thought that we were way too friendly, and hopefully we're not as friendly this time. But their yardage game from Gagai, Chambers, etc., uh, was outstanding. Yeah, it was. Yeah, they made plenty of metres. They they were Queensland's forwards on the night, basically. Yeah. Holmes, Gagai, Inglis, um, Chambers even. So, uh, And Morgan. I thought Morgan carried the ball well out as well. So Yeah, their middles have to step up regardless of who's in there. If Glasby comes in, if Napa plays, Wallace is obviously getting an opportunity to reprove himself after a poor effort in game one. I thought Papali off the bench was outstanding and Maguire after six weeks off was their best forward. So everyone around them has to step up. There's no doubt about that. Yep. Um, they need a bit more of those guys. And I think the two things there, their kick pressure was good. They hurt our set starts. But I thought the kicking game, they got a bit too set in their ways, just trying to pin Trebojevic that second half and work out that corner. Bit more. Well, I certainly didn't react. No. Nah. Bit more thought into the kicking and get up Maloney and work Cook over. I know well, Cook's a bit more variety. Yeah, Cook's a massive threat, and I know they don't have quite uh, probably as good a forward pack as we do. But that's my man in the middle that I'm going after. I want him to be absolutely gassed, yeah, and not be able to run the football. But uh, probably the last thing to touch on: if Ponga doesn't play fullback and Billy's there, obviously they get the exceptional organisation skills in defence. They get a man who's great at kick coverage at the back. Um, they get someone who's going to sweep more of that right-hand side. But if Ponga's coming off the bench, what kind of role do you envisage he plays? I don't know. Do you think they unleash him know. in I, the middle? I think and... probably you're going to have to play him at 13. I was thinking about this last night because you can't really – you can't move – you can't bring Slater off. No, and you can't push him. So you can't push Slater to a wing. No. So that means that Ponga's going to have to play in the front line. He's not going to play fullback. So that means that you're either going to bring McCulloch off, move Hunt to nine Let and him. play – Ponger in the halves and just let him roam, or you know you bring him you bring him on, you bring uh, you lock Ford off, you defend Ben Hunt at hooker and defend Ponger on the edge and just play him as a roaming thirteen. There's a few ways you can get him into the game, but it's going to depend on whether they're ahead, whether they're behind, how far into the game, how long is he have to last on the field, what are the conditions like. Do you get an injury? Like, there's a whole heap of things that can that can impact the way that you use him. So, look, I think it's the right move to have him there because to only give Milford seven minutes when the game was done in Origin 1 was a mistake. Yeah, pointless. So, for me, you're better off having Ponga there and not playing him a minute than having Milford there and playing Milford for seven minutes. That's my opinion. Um, and that'll allow you greater flexibility with your other three forwards with eight interchanges. So, it means you can roll them over a little bit more and keep more gas in their league. So... There's benefits to, to having him there. I think they need to get him involved in the game. I think they, they won't be able to win the game without him playing some sort of part. What that part looks like, I'm not too sure. I've just outlined a few ways that I would I would look at doing it. It would obviously be, be easier to start him. I still think that will be the case. I really do. I don't. But I don't. I don't, I don't see why they would, wouldn't just name him at fullback. And... Well, they said today was going to be the, the dead, deadline D-Day for Billy Slater, and apparently he did train and he's good to go. So I think be, I still don't know if he's fine. 100% though and if we'll see the game out. Uh, if that was the case and things changed on the fly, that's a different story. But I think the other thing for them, while we speak about their middles, they need more out of their bench because last time Papali was a one-man band. Milford was not used. I thought Arrow was steady. Hess they didn't get anywhere near enough out of. But, it, you know, again, he's more of an edge used as a middle. 
that's why I looked at a guy like Offen Gowie and thought maybe he would have been better off getting that role if you're not going to play him on an edge. Mm. Um, for us, our bench was probably less a factor because we've got bigger minutes as we spoke about with those guys. Vaughan got a short introduction, solid in his stint. Jake went on, did a great job. Angus pushed that edge and did a good job Crichton. And Peachy, as we said, was more there just on a limb to see what happens. If we need a spark at the back end of the game or something different, if we get an injury in the centres, the halves, hooker, God knows where he can basically cover all roles. Or if we have a HIA, I think Peach is facing the same kind of reality in this game where he's just going to sit for a while. And, you know, he may get a short stint at the end like he did. He may get injected earlier or someone may get hurt. Yeah. But his role basically depends purely on the flow of the game and the situation we're in. But uh, all in all, I'm looking at New South Wales. If you're ever going to strike, now's the time. We spoke about the capitulation last year. That spine is not there anymore to dig them out of a hole. And I thought we saw that in game one. Do I think their spine's going to be better? 100% I think it's going to be better. That if they're taking in Billy Slater, I'm not at 100%. If Napa's not at 100%, we have no excuse not to close out this game at home. Mm. Our spine should be better. Our set finish should be better. Middles, all those debutants should be better off. I'm sure Roberts will be told to get more involved. I'm sure that left edge will tighten up their defense. Um, I have to think that New South Wales will get the job done here. But... Yeah, I guess we've I tend to agree. covered off a lot of points there and a lot of different scenarios, but uh, I think we can't really cover much else. Given plenty of points or different bits of information on both sides, but game two, ANZ Stadium, bit of a, a different surface and a different playing style, but New South Wales I, I, I've got with a bit more improvement. So doing our tips, Mr. Gossip, he sent through his. He's got New South Wales to win by four. His first try scorer is James Maloney, and man of the match, he's going Damian Cook. Uh, I'm going to go New South Wales by 10. I'm going to have Addo Carr to score the first try. And on a similar vein, I think that Cook is the key if our middles win in wet conditions. So I'm going to back Damien Cook to be the man of the match. I've got New South Wales by 14, Addo Carr first try, and Frizzell, man of the match. Yeah, well, let's hope he'll get that time in the middle again, but early on we get a bit more football to that right edge and get him involved, Cleary, Roberts, etc. But mm. uh, yeah, interesting for Queensland. Coming in again, short turnaround, those couple of guys under a cloud. But, yeah, um, you just you can't write them off, though. There's no doubt about that. There's no way they're going to miss 50-plus tackles again, surely. You think all those middles that jerseys are up for grabs, they're going to fire up. You'd have to think the spine's going to be better. Yeah. And if Ponga finds his way on the field somehow, regardless, uh, if it's 20, 25 minutes, we've got to be very, very aware of where he is because we've seen at Newcastle what he can do. 19 years of age or not, he's an absolute freak. Uh, he's a great player. Yeah, he's the X Factor. Just hope we're not friendly again. I really felt game one, even though we got the job done, we're still way too kind to Queensland yep. compared to what we need to be. But there you go. In-depth preview. Game two, Origin, Sunday. It's uh, ANZ Stadium and 4pm. I think we'll probably head there and watch the Residence game as well. New South Wales Cup versus Queens, uh, Queensland Cup's best. Yeah. There. But jumping into the normal portion of our show. Set of six, tackle one. Daily Cherry Evans. Chuck Watmau's comments, I know it's a bit late. Um, the whole setup here, the manager telling him to, you know, stay away from training even though he's signed a four-year deal. Watmau kind of giving us the whole spiel about how things unfolded there with the older players, the new guard, him, Jeff Tuvey falling out of favour because he crumbled with the board, bringing up the Hastings thing and all these issues over the past. And where there's smoke, there's fire, and we've said it for a long time, a lot of things pointed back to him. But I tell you what, Chuck Watmau certainly didn't pull any punches when he... Uh, no, and he's entitled to his opinion, one. and 
the culture of the club at that point in time was that, you know, you, you bide your time before you get paid. Cherry Evans signed a four-year deal and he was getting, what, 50, 60 grand a year. Something like that. So increasing. he signed the deal and then he, you know, started to go well and wanted to re, you know, restructure it. And that's, back then it probably wasn't the norm. Now it's the norm. As soon as someone plays Origin or starts to go well and sparks interest in, from other clubs, clubs just tend to upgrade them, don't they? So... Look, I, I got no doubt that Cherry Evans definitely isn't a clean skin, and the fact is that a lot of stories come out come out about Cherry Evans, and not a lot of them are positive. He, he did the backflip on the Titans since he signed that eight year, ten million dollar deal with Manly. He hasn't played very well, to be fair. Um, he is probably the third best player in that team at the moment on form, and that's probably been polite. I think he'd be behind Jake, Tom, Marty. I think there's yeah, so even Arpy in his few games. Is, I think it's been better. So the pressure's coming. The pressure's now on for. Well, I was going to say coming, but it's now on for Daly Cherry Evans. Like what, what Anthony Watmeyer says, I respect what he says, but for Daly Cherry Evans, he doesn't have to see him day to day, so it doesn't matter. Get on with it. The, the reason why this is relevant is because he's not playing good footy. Mm. If he was playing good footy and he was at the top of the Daly M leaderboard and he was playing for Queensland. What Watmo said wouldn't. No, people would, would probably back Cherry Evans. You'd get public support. So I think this also goes back to what we've said a million times though about just the club culture. You hear the word toxic thrown out a lot, and disruption, and the old board, and then Tuvi being knifed by you know supposedly DC and the playing group after the old guard went out, and then the old guard lost faith in Jeff Tuvi once he rolled over to the board situation. Now you're hearing the Hastings thing, and basically again he's the ringleader. Now I'm getting mail uh, that there's some third-party issues with Marty Tapao, Dylan Walker, these guys that came on these back end of deals and they want out. So we heard earlier in the year that Dylan Walker was apparently keen to go back to South. I doubt Seabold would be interested in that with the back line he's got. Marty Tapao, we've heard plenty of stuff more recently about him possibly going to the Roosters. The Sharks being interested, plenty of clubs interested, and I don't blame them for being interested. But if you're, I know third parties aren't guaranteed, but much like Darius Boyd was at Newcastle. Players are obviously pissed off when they shake hands with someone man-to-man and they're told they're going to get something, whether it's off the book or not, and it's not delivered upon. Yeah. But, yeah, there's a lot, again, at Manly going on, um, and it's just never a dull moment, is it? And this season's just gone from, you know, bad to worse at different points in time, and now Coruscant being out, like we spoke about the other week. Hastings, apparently, will be on his way now to Huddersfield for more reports, so he'll be finally getting out of that situation, but... Um, yeah, even though we're a bit late on this because we're recording a bit late, I just think it's just been one of those years for them. And a, and a lot's come out for a lot of build-up or a lot of questions over time that people have had about Cherry Evans and the goings-on at the club. And, and to me, the person that's going to take responsibility for bowing to him is Jeff Toohey. Yeah, well, that and, and the, board. the old board and being so, split and who's involved now. And they gave him the deal. And the other one I'm going to throw out there again, I know a lot of people uh, in particular in the media and personalities in the game, we're backing him after he left Bob Fulton to be a part of this. Bob Fulton has to take a lot of responsibility for the back end of deals and the situation they're in with this cap right now because mm. he's the one who came in and did the quick flip over and offered a lot of this stuff and they gave him that kind of control. And now I know he's gone and moved on from it, but it's in a, it's a mess. It's a complete mess. Yeah. So there's a lot of people that are responsible for the current situation. But but Cherry Evans can control his form. So he can control, control. form. So play some good football. Suck it up. Uh, number two we got here, Bellamy, re-signing for three years at the Melbourne Storm. He's locked in to 2021. The effects of that on Melbourne, on Wayne Bennett, on the Brisbane Broncos moving forward, in your opinion? Uh, well, I think it's massive, massive story and massive success for Melbourne. No doubt about that. 
it's going to be really interesting to see what happens to the Brisbane now. Wayne's obviously going to see out his deal, or see out this year and next year. I don't know whether it's an error to try and move him on. I don't think it's an error to have a succession plan. I think they've probably upset Wayne a little bit in the fact that it looks as though he didn't know about it and then they've tried to publicly give the perception that he did know about it. Uh, it's it's messy for Brisbane. How they come out of it now, like is Wayne going to be vindictive and say, well, stick it up your ass at the end of next year because you, you wanted me out, so I'm going? Well, or is he going to then say, well, give me another two years and then what you should do is go and get Craig Bellamy after that? Craig Bellamy said that this is going to be his last coaching deal. Well, We've heard be, that three or four times I know, before. but he's going to be 60-something, end of next deal. So well, I, we hear it every every deal he says that. So I, I I take what he says with a grain of salt in terms of his last deal. Like he's got the bug, um, so it's very easy for him to for him to say that. Um, you know, I think Wayne wants to continue. So I'd be surprised if they didn't re-sign Wayne for another two years. I don't think the answer is Kevin Walters. A lot of people are coming out and getting the violins out for Kevin Walters, but for me, even the way he carried on in that press conference on Monday, he's inept. Like he's, he can be a good Origin coach and 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 do or, what he likes or, there. We said about Laurie Daly. Even the way that even games. the way that he talks and the way that he you know talks about players and tactics and games and how he analyzes games, I wouldn't trust him as a first grade coach. But there's so much more to it that we've spoke about. Like you've seen Seabold do a ten year <clears> apprenticeship, <throat> uh, you know, before he got that gig at South, and he's doing great now. And people try to you know reference these things or bring it up. He did a couple of years at Melbourne, but I'm sure his role would be nowhere near as in depth as what. Seabold has got being a coach in Queensland Cup and captain coaching, then going to Melbourne, then going to South, then going to Manly and doing the assistant job for Queensland. He would have had a lot more hands-on experience, seen the backroom operations, seen all this kind of stuff. I'm sure Walter's time at Melbourne, I highly doubt he had much more to do with anything rather than the halves. He wouldn't well, we have been yeah, backroom, we don't, we don't money, etc. I don't think he would have been involved in a lot of that stuff and junior retention development and meetings along that line. I think most of that stuff would be handled by Frank Panisi, Craig Bellamy, etc. and uh, the development staff down there, but mm. I just look at it and I'm thinking, for Melbourne, this is huge. I, I openly said it myself that having strong ownership like we do now is great, and they used to run at a loss, a couple of million bucks a year. Last year, they posted a $30 million surplus now that Bart Campbell and this conglomerate came in and took over, which is yeah. huge. So, why are they there? Hopefully, the club's going to be healthy. Would that change without Slater, Bellamy, Cronk? Uh, moved on now, Smith, etc. Of course, it's potentially it's going to change, but you know it's got a strong backing. But the whole side, the style of football, Melbourne as a whole, I think would have been not crushed, but I, I think immediately damaged. And the progress moving forward of the Melbourne Storm without Craig Bellamy, mm. are you ever going to be able to replace Craig Bellamy? No. That now, surely there's a lot more of a succession plan for either Adam O'Brien, knowing that it's his job next time around, or his son, who's been a part of his staff for a long time now. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more responsibility given over the next couple of years to these guys to make sure that when the keys get handed over and the next generation of players, which is going to be overseeing, in Brandon Smith, Brody Coff, Jerome Hughes, all these kind of guys that are moving through now. Scott Drinkwater's up there. Young Harry Grant, the nine that we see get player of the year last year. He is now going to see the period that a lot of people thought wouldn't happen, which is the transition from the big three into the next generation of Melbourne Storm players, which is massive for the club. Yeah, For Brisbane... I'm still adamant, and I've said it a million times, Jason Demetrio to me, unlike all the other people that Wayne Bennett's tipped up before to take these roles, what have they done previously? Like, I didn't know a, lot, know a whole lot about Steve Price prior to him getting that gig, other than he was Wayne's assistant for a couple of years. It seemed like a favour. It seemed the same when Ivan Henjak got the pat on the back up at Brisbane last time. Mm. It seemed the same when Rick Stone, who had a small stint there, got the, the nod to take over that job after he left. It's almost like he just endorsed all these guys 
because they were part of his staff before he moved on, and all of them flopped. Jason Demetrio, to me, has got runs on the board. He's smart. He's got a great attacking mind. He come down here with the team that I mentioned the other year in the Illawarra Steelers. I thought was the fifth or sixth best roster. They had no front rowers, and he had his own spin and his own style of play. They knocked over a powerful Mountie side that had 14 NRL players in it. He's won the Queensland Cup as well. He's won the state title twice. So he's got a track record, and he's gone up there to help out. And uh, that whole deal in the first place to bring him there was to stop moving around. And the way it was explained to me was he was given a three-year deal to be the assistant to be groomed for that job. If that's changed, I don't know. But I'm with you. All the people calling for Kevin Wilders or Demetrio, I know who I'd much rather be involved or run in my club. And I think one would have a lot more of an idea about the backroom operation and the other things that go on with that gig. So I'm still adamant it's Demetrio. There was talk they're looking at Seabold. I think Seabold would be nuts to leave the job where he's at right now. Mm. Brisbane's in a good situation, but he needs a half up there. I still think the fullback situation with Boyd being there for the next few years, unless he retired, I don't think that's something you want to be invested in for the next three or four years. Um, and I just think where he is, he's got a great pair of halves. He's got a great forward pack. He's got a good nine. Uh, they've got a couple of people pushing through, like Cam Murray and that, Marwin Herodes in their cup side. Uh, I think he would be nuts to leave where he is right now. And I'm pretty sure South would be very keen not to break the bank for him, but if Brisbane made some kind of offer, I'm sure South would be right on par to make sure that he doesn't leave. He's not leaving. No, nah, and I'm with you there. So for Brisbane, moving forward, Wayne Bennett said this week openly that he's gone with a proposal to the board straight away. So for the first time in his career, Wayne's having to probably try and set himself up or try and talk to a board to get a job, which is very different for him. Because you know in the past, everything's basically been, we want you to come here. Mm. So whether they take that plan or not, I don't know. But at the same time, Tavita Pangai Jr. and a lot of these guys said they want to play for Wayne Bennett. So I think it's in their best interest to make sure they shore things up, at least knowing that he's going to be there until the end of his contract next year if they want some of these guys to re-sign. Yep. What happens after that? I don't know, but I'm still on the bandwagon of uh, Jason Demetria to take that job. But uh, Tackle three, Josh Hodgson. Him coming back on the weekend. Is it too late for Canberra to find their way? No way. They're only four points out. They play Brisbane next round. So they're, they're well, in the, um, well in the mix, my friend. Well, well in the mix. Here's their next couple of games. All right, so they've got Brisbane away at Suncorp, which is obviously more important than probably all the games after that because that win drags them within one straight away, and it's up there, which is a big ask. Mm-hmm. Cowboys, oh, sorry, Dogs away. Yeah, You'd have to think they're going to win that game. Yeah. So straight away there, you're hot on the heels or telling Brisbane that you're, you're going to yeah. be right there behind them. Then they've got the Cowboys at home. Yeah. So you think again, cold night down in Canberra, the Cowboys, the way they've been going, you Michael Morgan out for the season, you think that's another win. And then even more likely, the other team just ahead of Brisbane, who's only went ahead, is Cronulla. So if, I, to me, I'm looking at the next four and thinking it has to start with Brisbane. I think they'd win the two after that. And then the Sharks, they'd be right in a position there to drag themselves somewhere in the eight. I know the Tigers have just brought in some fresh blood, and I was about to move on to that. But out of those two teams right now, I think Hodgson coming back on the weekend had a, a knock-on effect, which we'll talk about in the game review, to all parts of that team, which made them look completely different to the team we saw for the first, you know, 13, 14 games, which is insane, but he's just that style of play. He's that quality yeah, many, of the player. They lost a shitload of games close. Yeah, five. But that's why I look at it and think if they had a couple of those and him come back right now, the potential is a top four spot with only one origin play. Hmm. Instead, they're fighting to push themselves back into the bottom half of the eight, which is disappointing, really, when you look at it. Yeah. But a miraculous to be ready in six months and one week off an ACL. That's a huge effort from Josh Hodgson. Yeah. Ah, the ref crackdown, the one that you brought up. They've uh, gone hard early stages of the year. Lots of penalties, lots of hoopla. 
play the ball, nitpick and just do out every single thing. And well, the now they've gone away from it. Um, and I don't mind it, but it's more on the back of the origin. Uh, the, the fact, well, the fact that everyone watched Origin said, oh, well, that's how the game should be. So yeah. I think they've achieved a few things. I think the foot is now on the ball. I think the players are probably back more than what they were before. They're not standing as offside as blatantly. Ooh. I still think they need to find a happy medium. I, you know, I think that they went too far in the fact that they were blowing a shitload of penalties and probably got too nitpicky, agree with that. But I think they've now probably gone too far the other way where they're starting to allow some of that little stuff to slide. I think the rucks got bad again. Yeah, and as soon as that happens, we just might as well go back to where we were before mm. with, with a couple of minor improvements. So well, this is my issue. We, we get halfway through a season, they panic, and then they go back. So, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I'm looking at it at the moment, and I'm, I'm with you. I think they've found a better medium, and the nitpicking that they brought up needed to go because I thought there was just some dumb penalties, whether it be in yardage or, or midfield, just forgiving yeah. them. The two areas that they need to remain tough on are number one, the play the ball, and number two, inside 20. If you're going to give away repeated infringements, be offside, blokes still need to go to the bin, etc. And I had no yeah. problem with the rule change, even though I think it is open to interpretation, which could be dangerous, about cheap shots being binned. I have no problem with that. But yeah. it still does leave a bit of room for error, like the Dylan Arp one the other week, where, like we said, if he, got, if he was knocked out himself, I don't think he gets binned. Mm. But that's a bit of a grey area, and I think we may still be open to a controversial call there if they deem something that was a pretty soft, cheap shot. Maybe like Aaron Woods on James Graham the other week. I didn't think that warranted a send-off. It was dumb. It warranted the penalty. But if you got binned for something like that, I'd be filthy. Yeah. So I think that may be a bit of a grey area. But inside 20s, they need to keep being hard. Play the ball, they need to keep being hard. But a bit more an open play, middle of the field, set starts. They Yeah, it seems like they've backed off, which has made the game a lot more watchable. I really enjoyed a couple of the games on the weekend, particularly Shark Broncos. Uh, Tigers. Tackle five. Farron Mbai getting in there before June 30. Uh, massive change to their side. Big improvement to the spine, you'd have mm. to think. Yeah. Does this, again, give them a legitimate opportunity to push for the bottom half yeah. of the eight? And does it help their case? Because to me, I've watched them in the last couple of weeks and thinking Corey Thompson's good at running the football, but he doesn't offer a lot of ball playing, so they don't get a lot of help from the back. I think since Benji's gone out, even though Reynolds is back in, he's not as creative. I think all the pressure has been on Luke Brooks to create and do everything in the front line. Yeah, and it's quite it. easy to read it. And Elijah Taylor, I already said it at dummy half, not a nine, not a threat to pass or run. Matt McCurick, why he's steady and gives better service again, is not really creative out of dummy half. Yeah. So number one in Bayer is huge, I think. I think in Bayer has been the best player or close to most weeks for the Bulldogs. I think that brings a completely different dynamic and a much better ball player from the back. Number two, I think they get a better goal kicker than what they've got right now in Isan Masters, who again... It's always harder when you're doing a heap of yardage work and you're a bit tired to kick under the tee. Not saying that at fullback he's not doing as much work, but I'm assuming he's a lot fitter and probably better off, uh, you know, fatigue-wise with his goal kicking. Yeah. So I think they've got that there. You've got a ball player there. You've got a great kick returner. Robbie Farrell. I'm happy to put my hand up and say I absolutely hammered and smashed him during all the controversy and get him out of the club and all these bits and pieces, but... You've softened. Given the current circumstances, given the two years he's had there, I think he's eaten a bit of humble pie. I think he's backed off. I think his couple of games for South and the role he's played have been really, really good. Mm. And honestly, given the situation they're in right now, I think he will play ball for the last half of this season because he gets the ending that he always wanted. He'll get 250 games with the Tigers, and I think they get a nine that is much better than given what they've got right now. Mm. It's not a long-term deal. There's not a lot of money invested in it. I don't have a big problem with it. Nothing changes my feelings from the past. 
Um, but I, I think, I like given the circumstances, I think they're given a Benji-type situation, even though this is a completely different kettle different of fish. in the way that he left the club. I know, but I think Jason Taylor still played a big part. And it wasn't very long ago, and a lot of those same board members and people within the Tigers administration are still there. Mm. I don't know. I, On field, I don't though, think do he's gonna, I don't theory? think he's going to be the difference between them making and missing the finals. I think Mbai is going to have a much bigger impact on the side making and missing the finals. And for me, the thing that's missing at the moment that wasn't that was there at the start of the year is a bit of defensive grit. I think they they, mid- they, they quit on the weekend. That I think was their middle has also softened up a bit as far as mm. their their work as they're well. They're tired. They're tired. They you know they got to this mid mid season period. They, the week off is the best thing that could ever happen for the um, for the Tigers. They. They play their next game is against the Titans at Leichhardt on a Sunday afternoon, so it'd be a good way to springboard into this back part of the season. But if you had to say to me which of the two, Canberra or West Tigers, are going to make it, I'd firmly place my money on Canberra. Well, their next three. Canberra threw away four games at the start of the year. They could easily be in the top four. Well, the Tigers bombed a couple as well, though. Get after, that. After but a couple put of them close. side by side. We just saw what happened on the weekend. Yeah, Canberra manhandled them. Not disagreeing with that. And the next three games are probably more difficult. Titans at home is a winnable game, but still a difficult one. Titans are a bit Jekyll and Hyde, but when they play, they can put points That'll on That'll be anyone. a good game, I think. But the next two games after that, they've got St. George away and they play South Sydney. Mm. So they're getting two of the top teams in the competition straight away coming after them. But in all honesty, I think both these changes give them a lot more hope than what they previously had. Mm. They're going to get a better nine, good service. He does have somewhat of a kicking game. I wouldn't want him to go too crazy in that area. Uh, but I think they're getting a, a, an upgrade at nine, which they definitely need. But in buy is a big factor. Yeah. Do I think there's enough in the forward pack to get them through the rest of this year? No, which is part of the reason why I had them right down the bottom when I did my predictions. Have they overachieved to this point to my prediction? I think they have. I still think they've overachieved, considering the games they've won and how they've been this year. Yeah. I didn't think with that roster they would have been even in the position they're in now. Mm. Um, I think Ivan Clear has got more out of the sponge than I expected, but they're definitely showing signs of what you're saying, that fatigue and a bit of lack of depth in their squad. Yeah. And the last tackle here, the Magic Weekend. What do you reckon? I don't like it. Not a fan? No. I, I think we needed a bush round before we needed a Magic Weekend. I I think, how is it going to be policed or divvied up? Who gets the away, who are the away teams for that round? Don't know. So some teams are going to get more home games than others based on that. Because Brisbane obviously are going to get the home game. Everyone else, what are they going to be listed as an away game? I I, I don't know. I like that that part of it. I don't like. I also think that you're going to take footy away from Sydney for a whole weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure whether I I like that. Uh, look, I think it's great for Brisbane because they don't get enough footy at that stadium. I get that. So I think from that perspective, it works. For me, I wouldn't have a massive issue with it. If it was at a period of time where, you know, maybe when the Easter show is on. Um, like a long weekend kind of yeah. situation where it's a bit easier for people and, to fly and it out. Gets, and... and it gets moved around. Maybe the, maybe the weekend just gone, like the Queen's birthday long weekend, somewhere around. But that, that then falls, uh, flops it into origin. So well, That's my other thing. We're, we're, because we're, we're not going to be able to go. I'd like to go, mm. but I don't know. I, look, I think... I think there's a perfect opportunity to have a bush round and a magic weekend, you know, or magic weekend, or every game at the one stadium in these lead-ups to origin. I think last weekend's round should have been played over Friday and Saturday. There should have been no games on the Sunday, Sunday. Yep. heading into this round. I think they, should, they could do that twice during the origin period. They could have one 
where all the games are out at the bush, and the second where all the games are at the one stadium, and the games finish on Saturday night. So every player, therefore, on the Sunday is a travel day, and they get an origin camp or a rep camp or whatever. I think it was it's pretty unfair for some players to have finished at 7.30, you know, play at 7.30 on a Saturday, and others are, are, are playing at 4.30 on the Sunday, then having to go into camp. I think it's... New South Wales are very lucky. I think they only had Josh Adokar in that. Yeah, in, on the in Sunday. That, yeah, which was massively lucky. But, well, I'm trying to you think know, you have a lot... You had Ponga, Papali. Papali. Ponga, but like, Papali mm. played some big minutes. Felice Cafusi, Tim all Glasby. All plays. So there was, yeah, there was a fair few there. Munster, they had five or six. Yeah. Billy so, Slater, obviously. Lucky that Melbourne have been managing him and pulled him out So that situation. But Yeah, you know, I don't know whether yeah. a Thursday night game in the country would work. I think definitely a couple on a Friday night would work. I, I think you'd play... For me, I'd play three games on the on the Friday, or maybe even two games. Or if you're going to play a Thursday, Thursday night, two Friday, and five on Saturday, just make it work. Make it work. Like, Jam pack that, and then so so there's that easier transition into Origin for the players. I do like the concept, and I would love to say, like you said, maybe an Easter weekend. But my problem here is I'm thinking about all the people that stand to benefit, and I can see right now. Flight prices would get jacked up. People would get That's hammered. That's going to happen regardless I, of where I know, they play. But I, I still don't like matter. when that happens. It's yeah. I think a long weekend kind of idea would work much better for a concept like that so you can make a trip out of it. Mm. A bit like when the awkward Auckland Nines used to be on, say, around that time in January, February, and a lot of people you know, have that holidays after Christmas or pre-around that period. Mm. It's a weekend you could probably go away for. So uh, I don't mind the concept, but yeah, I still think like you... It's got to be positioned better. It's got to be planned a bit better. Uh, and, yeah, the bush footy games this year, a lot of ones that have gone to the bush have been outstanding. So yeah. uh, a bit more out that way would be much more helpful to help us combat the AFL side of things. Obviously, they're trying to attack some of our key growth areas out there. But there's your set of six for this week. Now on to the power rankings brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. Jake and the boys there, they say defence is the best offence. So what defence have you got in place against the nasty situation of rising power bills? Penrith Solar Centre is Western Sydney's leading solar specialist. Whilst you have little control over your team's outcome, the expert team at PSC are devoted to giving you control back of your power bills. Let the sun work for you, your home, and your back pocket. Save thousands per year and energy costs. It may be the difference between good and great seats watching your colours in the 2018 Grand Final. Contact the team today at Penrith Solar Centre on 1820 2930 to discuss how they can make you the real winners this season www.penrithsolar.com.au Check them out on Facebook. Jake and the boys there. Big thank you. You've got a system. I've got a system. The old man's got one. I work in the industry. Power bills, obviously, are not getting any friendlier. And renewable sources of energy are the way to go for the future. Uh, I think it's one of these things out there. Obviously, if you're not in Western Sydney, it's a bit different if you're listening to us. But I think renewables are a no-brainer to help mm. your power bill. But uh, Power rankings, number one for me, it's a no-brainer. Obviously, after Penrith had that loss there, South Sydney, they dug themselves out of that hole. They absolutely trampled Parramatta. Mm. And I still think there's improvement there, to be honest, which is the scary thing. But attacking-wise, uh, they're great. They've got two great halves. Reynolds is back to his best. Cody Walker's a freak. Yeah. Great forwards, good outside backs. Um, what else? Yeah, I've got South yeah. as well. Yeah. Number two, Penrith. Uh, they caught that big loss. They've punched above their weight, yes. They've dug themselves out of a couple of holes, yes. But uh, they got absolutely trampled the other night by mm. a quality opposition. And... Um, losing Campbell Gillard did hurt and I know they've got some injuries but that was a bit of a wake up and a reality check for Penrith I think I've got the Dragons they've won 11 games Penrith have won 10 and I've got Penrith at 3 yeah, well I've got the Dragons at 3 yeah. uh, I thought they got the job done but the first half was very scrappy but they're, they're clearly the best yeah. three sides I still think they don't have enough coming off their bench and I think the halves have taken a couple of steps backwards whether that be because of Hunt's injury but 
Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, the only consistent theme for them every single week is the forward pack right now. Uh, number four. I've got the Roosters. I've punched the Roosters up three spots straight into four for me. I've been waiting for that game. Like I said, they've been on, off, on, off. Quality all across the field. I got what I wanted the other night. And more in particular, I got it from the forward pack. Mm-hmm. Jade Rhea Hargraves, I don't know what's been going on, but he's been in hibernation after that ACL for almost 12 to 18 months. He's had a couple of sporadic games where he's been okay. Napa gets injured the other night. He plays 80 minutes. He was absolutely outstanding. He bashed every Penrith forward in sight. Victor Radley is an absolute gun. He was outstanding. Isaac Liu. Um, and, and there's still improvement there, again, in the spine in particular. It's a very scary side. And Joey Manu, I've got big wraps on. He probably doesn't get enough quality football. He showed, again, when he gets some opportunities the other night, what a great player he is, along with Latrell Mitchell. So yeah. um, hopefully more to come from the Roosters, and I'm sure there will be. Number five. Uh, the Storm. Got the Storm as well. Didn't think it was a great win, um, but, but having Cameron Smith there during this period is going to help. I think Munster's turned in one of the best players in the competition, and there's still a lot of improvement that forward pack needed. Number six. Uh, I have the Warriors. Got the Warriors as well. Much better again with Johnson and those guys back in. Uh, not great the other night, but I thought he kicked them to a win. thought he was very good. Mm-hmm. Number seven. Uh, the Broncos. Well, I've got the Sharks regardless of the result, and I've got the Broncos at eight. Yeah, I've got the Sharks at eight. I still stick by that if they... I have. I, I'm very close to punching the Raiders up to eight. I look at it this way, and I've said it before, to the Broncos. Outstanding going forward, Pat. I love Azarko. They've got some good outside backs, but your halves, you're not winning a comp. And with Boyd, I know he's been a bit better at number one, but I just don't see enough there. Neither, I think Neither the Sharks, to be fair. Well, I still think there's more potential for them to be in a prelim final, in my eyes, than there would be for the Broncos. And even after that loss, yeah. um, that's just my opinion. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I think those two there, I think there's more improvement in the Sharks than there is the Broncos. If Ben Hunt was there, like we spoke about earlier in the year, with that young forward pack and a bit more control over the side, I think the Broncos would be closer to a top four side. But that's just my opinion. Yeah. But there you go. Power rankings brought to you by... Penrith Solar Center. And now we move on to the game reviews from around 15, brought to you by Nepean Boltmaster. Nepean Boltmaster is your complete fastening system supplier with their main office at Penrith, covering more than 1,500 square metres and a second branch at Seven Hills. They have two massive warehouses. They boast the largest range of associated products, not only in the region, but throughout the state. There is a lot more to the Boltmaster, though, than just fasteners. You'll also find industrial and engineering products, abrasives, hand and cutting tools, lifting materials, handling products, safety and cleaning products, paints and general hardware items. Nepean Boltmaster provides total need sourcing packages for all trades associated with construction, engineering and all associated industry segments. www.nepbolt.com.au Talk to Woz and the boys there. If you're a tradie like me, you can get all your stuff sorted out, nuts, bolts, tools, etc. All sourced from the one place. They do it statewide. Big thank you to Nepean Boltmaster. Warren and all the lads there, but first game of the round, Boxhead, uh, obviously South Sydney hammered Parramatta Eels, 42-24. Opening stage of this one, you looked at it and it kind of looked like one of those trap games where you've got a top side against the bottom end side, Eels come out, plenty of intent, line speed, they look good, uh, they got a couple of repeats early from Norman and they were well in the mix and on top, but all it took was a couple of errors and the same set play from South Sydney that the Eels just couldn't defend and to be honest, I don't think I've seen much worse edge defence in a game all year than what I saw from Parramatta on uh, Thursday night. Yeah, look, the the edge defence was ordinary, but I thought that was one of Parramatta's better performances of the season. People might think I'm puffing the Chiba, but... I think for the first half, I agree, yeah, not for the second half. No, for half. the first half, yeah. that's what I'm saying. I, I'm know, right I there think, with I you. I think South Sydney are a bloody good side, and... Um, 
yeah, I, you know, I don't think they deserve to lead at half time, but there there was nah. there was a situation there if they defend better off scrums that they do lead at half time. Hundred percent. So for me, that's a positive. That's a positive sign for Parramatta. But the problem is, you can't play for one half. No. Nah. So it, it just proves that they they probably were a top four side. They've got the potential to be a top four side. They're just not playing up to that. So what's gone wrong in their preseason? Just mentality as well. Last yeah, year too. they had that mentality to go for eighty. The second half, it seemed soon as South came out and lifted their game after escaping the first half with the lead and said, "Come with us." They just didn't want a bar of it. They did not show any signs in the second half that they wanted to get in a dog fight with South, and mm. South just blew them off the park. And um, those two set plays, it, it was just off errors. And that scrum play and the variation they have in that shape is absolutely outstanding. The first one was a pretty poor read. The two Jennings brothers had a nightmare. Uh, with that shape that was coming at them. Their brother Robert had a field day. He bagged four tries. Uh, I think one of the tries there, Michael and George, just he outlast to follow his brother in. They just came in a man when they didn't need to. Michael got caught in no man's land. He didn't try to land on the pass or a player. He ran to space, and he didn't come up with a ball or a player. The second time, it was good work by Johnston, I think it was, who dug into the line, even though he was under pressure and kind of got back inside Michael or George to still have enough time to get the ball to Robert. And then late in the half, Cody Walker, he's an outstanding football player. No idea what Bevan French was thinking rushing up to try and shut down that play, but he left the back door open and Cody Walker put in a great kick for Johnston to reap the benefits of that. So, Well, you know. if you watch the scrum uh, scrum play from you know, the defence's perspective, it, they run it very tight, yeah. so it's very narrow, and they just move late. It's very, very difficult to defend. So, well, both it's times, coaching. Both times, Robert ends up with about 15 metres of space to work in to get to that corner. Because they run it so yeah. tight. But yeah. I think the other thing as well that they've done really, really well, particularly with the back rower, they use that wraparound kind of play there where the man gets in a line, draws a defender, but also gets the ball there for that wrap to create the extra number. It's vital to defend that. You've got to have inside pressure. You've got to make them play early. Yeah, and that's one thing At I think... At the moment, they're not. They're, teams are allowing them to sort of try and read that pass, the second last pass. Yeah. That's the money ball. And then usually it always, it always finds the winger. Like the wing is always going to be on the end of that um, last pass, provided that the defence all go to their inside man. So, yeah, they're trying to land on that pass, but they're not getting there. So, yeah. I think the other thing as well, anyone could run that play or try to run that play, but I think also the weapons you have around it make it more effective. They can score from different points on that play. Yeah. If you don't show Cody Walker respect and try and slide off too early, he will run. But it's you're never you're never going to be able to pick where the pass is going. No. Like if you say that they've got a different a lot of different shapes. Yeah, within that play, that's right. Yeah, and there's, but there's a couple of things that you just have to have as a defense yeah. in order to shut that down. So inside pressure, get up on your inside well, line shoulder. Speed, there. You need to be man yeah. on would be ideal. Cut down time and space at the moment. Lot, and lot a of lot people... of time, a lot of times, teams and I, and a lot of people probably aren't noticing this, but a lot of teams, South will move six over to the long side, and a lot of teams are still leaving a man on the short side, hmm. so they're defending straight away with yeah, man one down. man less. So. You know, you're putting yourself at a massive disadvantage straight away. No wonder there's space there for the winger. Yeah. But I was just kind of saying as well, like, you could teach, you know, Parramatta or someone else to run that shape, but individually there's weapons in that that can still break you down if you don't pay them the respect they deserve. Yeah, but that's like any Walker, Walker can run at any point in time. Greg Inglis, I think players are still holding off him because he's such a running threat. You've got Sutton, who's been great there with his offloads on the back of it. If Johnston trails in there, he's got speed to burn. So I just think also the pieces all on that left-hand side that they're favouring individually at different points in that shape have the individual ability, if not paid the respect, to you know benefit off the back of that. But yeah. 
like you're saying, I think even when they do have man on, they've got the numbers. In particular, this year, more than any other side, they've really used that lead runner more effectively instead of just having a dead man running the line. They're doing that rap, getting a defender to bite in and sometimes a center to hold, and they still create a number by using that lead runner to use that wraparound play. Yeah. So I think, yeah, why they've got variations off the back of it, Seabold's done a great job, and it all starts again off the middle of that forward pack. But the second half in particular, um, yeah, they came out, they threw down the gauntlet, the Eels didn't want a bar of it. They went straight through that gaping hole and Crichton laid on that beautiful pass for Johnston to burn them. They rolled Robert out that edge a couple more times and pulled the Jennings brothers apart. Uh, they didn't have a happy night whatsoever. And just to be honest, I think the only thing for me, and I said it earlier, why I've got Seas at number one, the scary thing is I still think they've got a lot of improvement. I think defensively they can get a bit harder. I don't think someone's dragged them really into a shit fight yet and given them a real rough game. I think Penrith had a close one earlier in the year, but that was before this sort of form. There was no Inglis and Burgess for that game. I think the Dragons, one, they showed missing Burgess, and I think Inglis was still missing at that point in time that they could get in a dirty game earlier in the year. But I still feel there's times like this the other night where they concede some pretty soft tries at times. They've definitely got the ability to blow you off the park, but if their defensive side of things gets a bit better, and in particular that left edge we speak of that's so dangerous in attack, it got exposed for the first try, and it was just a poor read by Robert. They had man on. He came in and got in Greg Inglis's back pocket and gave his brother George the space to score in that corner. Mm. So uh, attack, all things are outstanding. They've got complementing halves. They've got a brilliant nine. They've got a gun forward pack, two dangerous edges. They're stacked across the park, and they get enough out of their bench. But I just think the one thing that can really hit home premiership contender side of it is if they fix up their D, particularly left edge, and just get a bit more of a hard edge in the middle than like when a bash teams a bit more. Yeah. But right now, you're looking at them and you're thinking there's plenty of potential there. They're flying For them to go a long distance. So They're flying along. And yeah, just a lot of the guys. Johnston's showing that he can play fullback. Adam Reynolds is back to the form that he was when they won the competition. He's kicking games outstanding. Cody Walker's a jack-in-the-box. I, I love watching South City play. Yeah. Parramatta. Thought Nathan Brown was great before he went off with his injury. Thought Norman started quite well in the first half, but again, um, there's not enough going on in front of him for him to have enough of an impact on the game, regardless of what people think about his personality or the off-field side of things. I think a real shining light, and I keep saying it every week, I know he had a bad read during the game for one of those tries, but Penny Terrapa. Yeah. I think Penny Terrapa has been one of their yeah, best. Yeah, he has been, so, particularly in the last month. And I'd have to really throw well. up there, I keep saying about a team like St. George only having one man off the bench really in Armour. If I'm St. George and I'm losing Armour, Terrapa is off. That's the kind of guy I'm looking at if I can get the right value for money to try and get somebody like that again to be coming off my bench for next year because right now they're going to need someone yeah. to try and add in. But I think he's been a real standout. Southside could touch a million people up as far as who was great on the weekend. But, um, yeah, showed their real deal. Obviously, you dig yourself out of the hole and then they just blew them apart in the second half. Yeah. So, good win. North Queensland uh, versus New Zealand. Just same old, to be honest, as far as North Queensland are concerned. Mm-hmm. Struggled in the middle, got bullied there. I uh, thought New Zealand dictated it. Their back three, in particular, as usual. Roger Tuivasa-Shek, Ken Marmolo, absolutely exceptional. They owned the middle third of the field. Isaac Luke had a field day off the back of quick play the balls. Um, they just picked away at him somewhat, and I think I know the Cowboys kind of fought their way back into it. They had a bulk of possession. Uh, they had a chance to strangle things in the second half, but they just couldn't get it done. No. They got turned away multiple times. Nothing has really, really changed. Too many line breaks, man. They just they're poor in the leave, middle. Like the, the try that two of us to Sheck scored was both awful. excellent, but awful. You know, and no offense, Matt Scott caught out in yeah. the middle of that, and 
Mark is awful, and that comes on the back of again not being able to slow down the middle. Quite playable, sure. Uh, they got absolutely torn apart through the guts, and yeah, I don't know. For New Zealand, I thought this was a decent win considering the circumstances that they were pinned on their own line. They showed that goal line defense we saw earlier in the year. They were desperate. They were gassed. They closed things out, and Sean Johnson's kicking game and the fact that he was at the back end of the game and closing things out was great as well. Mm. And even in the last five, every time it seemed like they were pinned and they weren't going to get anywhere, Hiku, even Johnson had a couple of carries, one out off the rack. They really dug in for each other, Marmolo, etc. Um, a big turning point for me in a scary moment, Qatar going through to score that try and drops the football and blows his hemi out. I thought he was just frauding it like some people do when they do blow a try. But he's actually looking to be out for four to six weeks now. Yeah. But when he dropped that ball, I thought, Christ, I know you got injured, but you got to score that try. Mm. How did you not hold onto the football and finish that off? But that was a sliding doors moment there where I thought this could be the Cowboys finding their way back in. Kyle felt was exceptional um, under tough circumstances. Obviously, Morgan going with that bicep after Sheck turned him inside out. Ben Hampton went for a HIA, but he's been one of their best all season. Yeah. He scored a cracker try. He looked good at fullback. He threw a nice pass, but. Uh, other than that, I, there wasn't a whole lot I could take out of it as far as uh, the Cowboys were concerned. I, I think they obviously get uh, plenty out of Tamalolo, but for everyone bagging him out, what else can he do? No, he's, he he's doing it on his own. Yeah. He, he's got no help. He's got no one around him that's really pushing. I think Tawala's been a positive since he's coming to the team, etc. but there's still just not enough coming from the middle third. I stick by what I said at the start of the year, and I know a lot of people were going the other way, like, oh, Mel Meninga's right, and it's smart that he said that Morgan should take control. I said early doors that regardless of whether Thurston was coming back, I felt Morgan, you're giving a million dollars. Morgan's the man next year. He needs to be running the ship. I know he had the injury, and now he's going to be out for the rest of the season, but that transition needed to happen a lot longer ago than the point in the season we've got to now, Hmm. and that's no longer reality. So moving forward, obviously everything is on Thurston to keep guiding things along with Tamari Martin. I do like the fact that Martin has enough confidence to overcall him at times, but... Uh, I think it's going to be a rough finish to the year for the North Queensland Cowboys. And Sam Hall did his ACL on the weekend as well. Mm. So they've lost another four. Scott looks Morgan. as though he's gone. Yeah, he's got neck issues and his knee. So uh, I think it could be a really ugly end of the season for yeah. the North Queensland Cowboys. But yeah, what do you say? New Zealand, find a way to get themselves out of that one. Well, it's a win. Um, some it's a win away from home as well. Johnson, like I said, a couple of weeks back now playing good. Marmolo deservedly got a New Zealand call up. Uh, Isaac Luke, exceptional off-contract season. And I will throw it out there that if I'm the Tigers, if Farrah's only coming to plug that gap, the talk is there's not enough salary cap space there. I'm very interested in Isaac Luke if I'm the West Tigers. Very interested in Isaac Luke. So whether he's willing to come back here is a different story. He moved back partly for family reasons. But if the salary cap space is there, not there, you can't tell me he's not interested in coming back here and getting paid correctly for another couple of years. And that'd be a hell of an addition, I think, to the West Tigers. But... Uh, yeah, some solid performances out of their side um, and, yeah, getting the job done there. But I love watching Roger Tuovasashek back to the form he's in and the health he's in and just the state of mind. He's an exceptional footballer. Yeah. Great footballer. Panthers, Roosters. Wow. Penner for blown away. 32-6. I've never seen possession that way and a lot of it is on the back of the Roosters just being so dominant and beating the crap out of them and completing their sets for the first time and, yeah. Just owning this game. 67% for the game the Roosters had. Napa. Yeah, that tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. Usually, the difference between... the Like, if you get 67%, whatever whatever the opposition team gets is usually how many points you score. That's sort of what I how I look at it, and that, that rings pretty true. That's there. huge, though. 60- so it's 33% difference, and they how many the Roosters scored 32. Yeah. So I think for every, every point uh, you have in possession, percentage point, 
uh, usually means you get a point on the scoreboard. You know, the other thing for me, and it's kind of been funny, every one of these games, it seems a team has got up for another team. So I thought that Penrith come in well-invested to go bash the Dragons and prove a point. Yeah. You got the feeling that the Dragons had that when they played Melbourne to prove their legitimacy. And now you've got the Roosters coming into a Penrith after being up, down, up, down all year. And Penrith have come off the back of a, a win that, you know, was very, very not lucky, but they were very lucky to probably get away with that one in Canberra. Off the origin oh, they period. Were. It was a lucky win. Riding a high, winning with all these guys backing up and coming into the side, and the Roosters did the same thing to them. Just mm-hmm. came in and said, this is a statement game for us. So every top side just seemed to have taken a shot at one another at some point in time. And why I feel the battle for the eight is probably not as exciting as what it could have been, it's very, very open at the top end in that everyone has kind of taken a win off somebody else or yeah. shown that they, they have the ability to beat somebody at the top there. So six or seven of those teams, as we've spoken about on their day, could easily knock one, one another off, I think, mm. in this competition. But uh, Napa going off early. Jared Rhea Hargraves, I don't know where he's been or what hibernation, but he was absolutely outstanding. He was. 80 minutes. Stepped right up. Uh, whether you were happy or not with the RCG thing, I know Panther fans were... What out. about it? There was nothing wrong with it's, it. I thought it was, it was a head, head, head That's yeah. all it was. I don't know what you're getting angry about. I think it just comes with the tag of being Jared Rhea Hargraves, to be honest. But yeah. their middles... Bashed, they out Penrith, Penrith a couple of weeks ago. Better line speed, better intent. Liu's been in a, a rare streak of form. I think Victor Radley, they've just signed him today. A four-year extension on top of the deal he had for next year. The, just being on ball and all around. For a guy that's 20 kilos lighter, I don't know what his best position is quite yet. I don't know if it's 9, I don't know if it's 13. He's come through playing at back row. But the one thing I do know, that is the prototypical example of not looking at somebody on physical ability, but more on attitude, training, and coaching. He's an outstanding all-round footballer. Yeah, he is. Gets into nine for that first one for Ferguson off the line break for Manu. Sums up the short side, draws the man, throws the pass for Ferguson to score. Late on in the game, uh, well, his defensive technique we've already spoken about. 20 kilos or not, his technique is perfect. He can damage blokes. He hits blokes hard. Yeah. One of the last sets of the game where they marched downfield and scored another try, he had three touches. He handled the ball, he ran, and then he had, again, a draw and pass to get to one of the, I think it was the left edge when they scored late all around the package and why they've invested in him the way they have, I have no no qualm with it at all. That is exceptional. And I have also, again, no qualm with Brad Fittler mentioning being a Blues bolter or someone who's going to feature very, very prominently at some stage soon with what he's shown us in such a short period yeah. of time. Victor Radley is an outstanding footballer. Yeah, I think he's still probably two years away from that. But. Oh, I agree, but the, he's only 20 years old as well. Yeah. But the raps are warranted. He's not just showing small glimpses. He's... Agree, but I... Yeah, he's got I a fair origin's bit... Origin's a bit... Yeah. Bit of a long bow at the moment. He's an outstanding footballer, but... Um, Manu, again, like I said, he showed some good glimpses there getting that football. That pass that he gave to Ferguson was outstanding. They troubled him on the edges, but number one, everything starts in the middle and they outdid Penrith at their game. They blew the doors off Penrith. 1,900 metres to 1,100. They absolutely murdered them through the middle of the field. Their pack had no idea what was going on. Um, but in the case, they say 1,900 to 1,100, that's 66% yeah. to 33%. It's, it doesn't mean that they gained any more metres per set than Penrith. No. I also have to say, I've been critical of Cronk while he's been there. Best game, best night kicking the football. Controlled things, trapped Penrith down the I, I think he's been like that for the last six weeks. I still think it hasn't been as good, but the other night I thought was more clinical of a Melbourne game. He controlled that from start to finish. He kicked them to death. He strangled them. Kiri got to float off the back of that. All the bits and pieces are starting to come together a lot better, and we talk about it time and time again. The bench. They get so much out of their bench now. Ted Avano, yeah. Radley obviously getting a start, having Orbison who can play multiple positions. They're a very well-leveled side. And, um, Napa, does he pull through? Not 100% sure about that. 
obviously we know Campbell Gillard is going to be missing um, from his injury there. The scary moment with Latrell Mitchell, that that was, you know, obviously something we were really, really worried about. And I, I was feeling bad not only for him, or I was terrified for him, but I was feeling bad for Nathan Clear at the time. You could kind of see that he was really, really worried about the outcome of that. But yeah. uh, also a nice moment when Tyron Peachy went in there when he got Sinbinder. Yeah, and then all the do-gooders are out screaming up and down about why him going in. Why is he going there? Why is he allowed to go into another shed? Like, fuck me. Yeah. Get a real issue to be worried about, cause. Yeah. Roosters, that's a statement game. Very, very good. Penrith, uh, you know, injury early on. I know that. And they've had a lot of guys obviously coming into the side because they've still got injuries and players to return. But I think that's a bit of reality check that was needed for some of those younger blokes. Yeah, agree. Uh, and I will admit again, Harrow and I, I thought last week's been pretty bad. I think they're saying now he's got a bad groin injury and he's been playing busted. And I know they're a bit short on, but uh, again, it's, uh, it's definitely a reality check for a couple of those guys there. I thought Merrin actually had a quite a good game out of some of those forwards and thought Farah was quite good on his edge trying to defend, but all around just blown off the park. Titans-Dogs. I don't want to give this a lot of time other than to say that for the Bulldogs fans, I feel sorry for you because that was absolute rock bottom. Anyone that turned up, um, yeah, that was awful. That was absolutely terrible. John Olive was embarrassed on that edge by Branko Lee, who's one of the players they let go. Ash Taylor had a field day. Kevin Proctor had a field day. Similar deal, just murdered on the middle, murdered all over the park and... I think probably the best way things have been described during the week for me is Mick Innes and one of my favourites actually out of all of them because he doesn't pull any punches. Not first grade standard. Disgraceful. Yeah. Their yeah. spine, what they yeah. get out of them. They had plenty of opportunity inside 20 and plenty of football too. They did absolutely nothing. Um, I it know was a shit game. Yeah. It was a really, really poor game. Gold Coast were good, but fool's gold, I think, that game. They'll, they'll get a real test at Leichhardt. In their next uh, encounter, some of the line breaks though, that Mick Gordon had, like I know he's a great player, and I, well, I love him, but they were just soft though early on in the game. Like, you cut them open within the first 15, 20 minutes way too easily. Hmm. John Olive looked like he didn't want to be there. He got absolutely embarrassed on the weekend. Matt Frawley's kicking game is disgusting. He may as well be a punter in the NFL. He's just kicking for the sake of kicking. Marshall King, I think, tries hard, but again, uh, I don't think he's more. I think he's more of a, a squad player for an NRL side. I don't think he's an NRL standard half. It's, it's, it's a very obvious sign there. Their best spine player is now gone, and we mentioned that. It's Moses and Boy. It's not going to get any better. Nope. They do need to do this clean out. The talk of trying to retire foreign, I was going to quash that earlier if we were recorded, but it's not rocket science. We've already seen this with Watmau. Pre-existing injuries, you sign a player, you can't medically retire them. So they're stuck with that. That's their bed to sleep in. Is it the current board and coach's fault? No, it's the previous board. But this is just, it's just a shit fight of a situation for him to be involved in. David Clemmer almost lost his head. I thought that was disappointing, and I'm sure Freddie Fittler would have been disappointed watching it. He had a couple of moments there where he could have got himself in trouble. Um, but yeah, it's the same couple of blokes every week. I feel bad for Josh Jackson because he absolutely busts his ass. I think Fytale Mariners are pretty quality football, just in a very bad why, why side. Why can't they play Reese Martin? Somebody brought this up about salary cap situation. The only reason that makes sense to me, if he's part of the top 30, it's got nothing to do with salary cap unless there's a trigger in his contract that upgrades him to put them over the salary cap. But usually triggers in contract in year are taken into account beforehand. So they would have had to let them know that they were over the cap in that situation. Mm. He ended up playing anyway, so I don't think that's the case. I don't understand where that mail came from because he did play in the game. But uh, the hard, hard, easy thing is to say they need to get some actual... Harbs in there or some players into the spine but again the money situation's got him hamstrung they've got a million dollar half who's broken and they're not going to be able to get rid of him they've got two guys playing at the moment that are more reserve grade or top squad edge players not starting players the nine situation hasn't got any better and now their most potent attacking weapons gone to the Tigers mid-season mm. 
for the Titans, again, I know people love up on Ash Taylor, but this was an easy kill for Ash Taylor on the weekend, let's be honest. It was. He's still, got, he's still got, I think, the second most tries. He's got the most. The well, there you go, the most. But if you're bludgeoning four or five on the weekend against the Dogs and, you know, in a couple other games... It's... He's got them. But I'm more saying more what you've said previously. I think he's all around... Inside 20 is exceptional. I reckon he's got one of the best short-kicking games in the comp and he gets on the football inside 20. I want to see more of him dictating when they're struggling in yardage and kicking game and getting involved in directing things a bit more when they're in trouble in a game. I think he likes to park himself on an edge when things are going bad. I also think, and not to cry wolf, that there's been a couple of games where things are going bad and he goes off with a niggle or an injury. And it always seems to be something quite minor, or it gets a little bit too hard for him. But on his best day, there's no doubt he's an exceptional footballer. Yeah, Proctor, uh, good game. Gordon, good game. Branko absolutely gave him a bath. Um, Wallace, Arrow, etc. But Dogs fans, uh, yeah, uh, it's going to be hard viewing. I think for the rest of the year. Dean Payne, I think it might be hard racing for. Dean- oh, sorry, hard watching for the rest. Yeah, uh, this season and probably the the next two seasons after that. Yeah. Dean Pay's inherited one hell of a mess. There's no doubt about that. It's uh, yeah, it's not really a good situation to be in. That's for sure. St George Manly, thirty-two to eight. Uh, first half thought it was pretty end to end, but I thought the Dragons had the territory and control. But I don't think they took anywhere near as much advantage of the situation. Thought set finishes in the halves were a bit flat and inside twenty. They didn't have as much control. They find a way to break them later on the half there. Dufty's pass out to me, and he did an exceptional job to find his way in. Lafayette from dummy half was soft, but when they conceded from Tommy Wright, just pulling them apart there, I was a bit worried that 10-8 at halftime or whatever it was, like, for all the dominance, they didn't bank on it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. But Sims later on from Vaughn. He gets off dummy half there. McInnes draws a couple of men in. Nice offload. Sims could have made it a lot easier by tipping her on, but goes the power option and comes back into score. Thought at halftime, 16-8 was a true reflection of the game, but Manly, to me, did did a pretty good effort to hold on because I thought the Dragons had all the territory in the possession. But second half, obviously, it's what you expected. Red V came out, finished the job, control, dominant. Hunt kicked for it up. They took control. Nene McDonald laid on. Their pack was excellent again, but probably the big thing for me is I think the halves have struggled a little bit while Ben Hunt's been injured, and that's had a flowing effect to uh, Gareth Whitop as well. Agree. Yeah, agree. I this game was um it was okay. I mainly, man, like they're just a hard team to watch. They're a really, really tough team it's to watch. That point, the Dragons it? are a tough team to watch at the moment as well. They scratched and fumbled and bumbled and cocked around and you know, they had glimpses in this game and patches in this game where they were good, but um yeah, I manly are done for the year. The Dragons, they're in a dip, no doubt, and there were probably a few players just trying to get through because they've got a lot of internationals and a lot of guys going to origin. So they probably were a little bit passive-aggressive and just trying to get through and do enough to win. But Well, they've had to send their high-performance um, manager with their English yeah, players. Yeah, they've, like, they've got a whole heap of them going over there. Four in so. origin, there's going to be other but, guys. Look, to be honest, this game didn't excite me at all. I don't have a lot to say about it. No. It was one of those ones where... Oh, yeah, I sort of watched the first half hour of it and then I started to cook dinner. It was on in the background, but... Oh, 
yeah, it was a hard game to get engaged in, and I was just I was waiting for the the next game. To be well, fair, again for them, you're looking at it, and you're like, well, Jake and Tom give their effort every single week. And yeah, they do. You're a broken record. I thought Joel Thompson against his old club, and I kind of feel bad for the fact that he's ended up in that situation because I liked him at the Dragons, but. People there that are filthy on him from the draft. You can't be angry at players. It's a business at the end of the day. He was told he wasn't going to get re-signed going forward because they invested so heavily in their cap. He found a deal that gets him three years to finish off his career. Has he landed in a great spot? Not really compared to where he was, but they weren't going to keep him anyway given salary cap situation, having Tarrant, having Frizzell, having a couple of younger guys in their 20s. Jackson Ford, I think, got their player of the year. He's another back row, host, etc. So I thought he had a good game, but other than that, and then you've got guys, like I said, about Tapio, who's knocking the door down to potentially leave. Third parties are missing. Cherry Evans not playing that well. Young Tommy Wright's try was nice, but again, uh, he missed about six or seven tackles. He played out of position. He doesn't play nine or the spot he played. So uh, hard hard finish to the year for Manly. And all, just all the stuff constantly happening. Coruscant, Hastings, the Cherry Evans, the what now blow up, and now this talk. So um, win for the Dragons, and they march on. Sharks, Broncos, I reckon game of the round. It was great. Cracker game of great. football. Sharks, they fumbled and mumbled. Jesus. Oh, they had some opportunities, didn't they? Broncos are at the same time. This is why I left them at eight. Take out the two early tries. They didn't do a whole lot for the rest of the game. They've won a lot of close bloody games this year, the Broncos. They got the charge keep down. getting the job done. Yeah, the charge down was weird from Pungai, but exceptional skill for a big man to do that, take the football one-handed. And the speed. Yeah, he's a hell of a player. and um, Milford as well, off a tip. Bit more width, and they, I thought they liked to move around Cronulla. They were going edge to edge, playing their halves, trying to run and move Cronulla around the field. And when they got to twelve control, you felt they were in control. Then the sin bin happened. Yeah, Ramian scores of Val, who's showing much better set of hands and ball playing. He's actually starting to look like a real quality fullback. I know it's only been a short space of time, and he's had the couple of stints beforehand. I don't know if it was the confidence of getting back into the Origin camp, or maybe just talking with Flanagan and getting his opportunities again. But the last few weeks, he's starting to show some signs that fullback is going to be his position at club moving forward. Yeah, um, I thought he showed some real slick hands there. But Cronulla, more what you said, so many chances, but Brisbane scrambled so well. They blew opportunity after opportunity. Half time, I think the big difference is, and you look at this with Cronulla, and it's been a theme, is errors. 61% completion rate to 94 by Brisbane. So while they were getting hammered with a lot thrown at them, they scrambled well, and they just held the football when they got it back. Second half again. <sighs> Felt similar about the situation. I felt that, uh, you know, Cronulla had their opportunities and Brisbane gave them plenty with some errors and some missed chances of their own early on there. They had uh, Cronulla with all the football and plenty of chances. But, yeah, Milford went through. Oates blew an opportunity. Tagatizi, he missed that pass when he threw that back inside. Brisbane couldn't close it out. Seguiara comes on. Changes. Bit of a point of difference there. Back-to-back tries. They're heading... Oh, they're going after the Broncos for all money. Get to 16-all, but... Um, end-to-end football. The Broncos get that try late on. I thought it was a forward pass. Oh, it was, it was five metres forward. I'm not going to take away from that finish, though. That was a hell of a finish by Corey Oates. It was, but it was, it was yeah. a mile forward. I'm not saying that Cronulla deserved to win that game. They didn't. Because they blew all the chances and they yeah. should have closed it out. But, but it was forward pass. Same gold, as the one yeah. in um, Origin. That Go- was a forward pass as well. Golden point would have been fitting given the game of football we watched, I think. Yeah. And I think the Broncos, oh, sorry, the Sharks were coming home with a wet sail and might have got the job done, but... Who knows? But end of the day, Brisbane have got a couple of very, very late wins or things kind of go their way in the 50-50s. Yeah. The Brisbane penalty, uh, the, Bron- the Bulldogs game with the penalty, I didn't have a big problem with it, but again, it's a bit of a moment. The penalty in the Tigers game, I had a problem with. You've got this one as well. So there's been a couple of games that have been 50-50 and Brisbane have got that win. Yeah. Um, on their side of things, I thought Maguire was great. Lodge has been just steadily building all the way through the season, regardless of what you think of him, thought he was good. 
off Ian Gowie off the bench was outstanding. Halves looked better on that. It's run the football, but there's still not enough control coming out of them. And uh, I thought Oates again, 200-plus metres, exceptional finish. Sharks, Segarra's late impact. Holmes is great. Wade Graham. Gallon churns out the metres, but again, I still get the shits with him disrupting. They need points there, and they're going, and he's taking carries third, fourth play, like getting in the way. But that also, I must say, for everyone that gets angry, and a lot of people listening to the show probably got on that bandwagon a bit more with us when we pointed out that he interrupts set plays and things happening. That's on the half to tell him just to get the fuck out of the way sure. and plan something. And I saw it the week before and they needed to find a try where Moylan and Pitt, like they're just tipping it to him and looking for the next play. If you're on the halves, you need to be on the ball. You need to be a player or two ahead. You don't have time to go, yeah, just crash one in for us. Slow play the ball. Oh, no, we, we can't put that play on now. We'll just lay another line, lay another run in and try and set something up. Yeah, so you can't keep doing it. That's also on their halves to take a bit more control. Yeah. But uh, missed opportunity, you'd have to think, for Cronulla in that game because they had plenty of massively. chances. Yeah, yeah, massively. Storm, Newcastle. Uh, I don't want to talk about this one a lot, to be honest. I, as a Melbourne fan, I thought this was a poor game to watch. Newcastle, um, as usual, struggle to hold on in the middle third. Every time they look like they're getting pulled apart there and pushed backwards, they give away penalties and they just hold on for dear life. Yeah. Uh, 17 errors for the game. The only threat, as usual, came from Callum Ponga. They've really, really missed Mitchell Pearce since he's been out. Um, they didn't take any advantage of the win in the first half either, which probably shows the lack of experience and confidence in the pair of halves they've got there. Connor Watson, I've said it a million times. He is what he is. He's a ball runner. He doesn't organise things. There's not a whole lot going on in his edge. He needs somebody like a Mitchell Pearce there if he's going to be playing in that side. Cogger and Lamb together, I don't think that's going to work any better either. Um, and Cogger's obviously leaving, so I'm surprised they're not playing Lamb a little bit more, but they need Mitchell Pearce back in the worst way possible. Absolutely, they do. Melbourne were not great by any means either, but the second half, I thought... Basically, Cameron Munster blew this game open on his own. There was two moments there off the kickoff where he sliced through embarrassingly for Newcastle's sake and set up the Fox, and the other one where Adokar or Munster stuck their leg out, and again, Munster picked it up and tipped it off to him. And That being a slight difference, and then just a poor, inexperienced read. I think late second half there, three on three. There's no numbers there. I think Ken Seo jams in, creates a number for Will Chambers just to tip the ball on for Sully to go in. It was just unnecessary. They were man on. He didn't need to get in his back pocket, so... There's just a few little lapses like that, plus the 17 errors and being outdone in the middle where, you know, it's just a loss. And it, it wasn't a great win by Melbourne by any means, but it's a win there in origin, and that's a big thing for a team like the Storm. Absolutely. Cameron Munster, though. Um, now that Bellamy's on board, they're talking Smith's contract, but the talk is Munster will be paid big money, exceptional money. He'll be going into the Million Dollar Club, apparently. And given what you've seen this year, and even I'm blown away with him at six, it's looking well warranted from what he's done in the rep arena. Now at the club arena, we've no, uh, obviously, Billy being in and out of the side, playing with no warranted number seven inside him or no star number seven. He's been exceptional at number six for Melbourne. Yeah, he has so, been. Has been, yeah, and he's getting better. Addo Carr, Smith was good as usual. For Newcastle, I thought, you know, Pong was pretty good. Matoudi has been really, really good, I think, this year after a bit of a slow start. The last month or six weeks, I think he's been pretty, pretty good. But, yeah, they're, I think they're just going to continue to struggle until they get Mitchell Pearce back into control of the game and take a bit more ownership of that side. And next year, Ramey and Glasby, a couple more guys coming in. There'll be a bit more quality in their team. Talk also that Blake Ferguson was there this week and they're looking to finalise a deal to get him up there. There you go. So that would see somebody like probably Ken Seo be pushed out of the side. Nathan Ross, as I said before, I think he'll lose his jersey to a player of Ramey's quality. So it creates that depth effect, I guess, that you want in your top squad as well as kids pushing through. But, yeah. Um, yeah, for Newcastle at the moment, everything's just development, I guess. And it's going to be hard for them to make the finals. I, I, I put a pen through them a couple of weeks ago. But it's definitely through them now, in my opinion. Mm. And uh, what have I got here? The last one we got here, wow. 
game I was at. Tigers. Freezing. Raiders. First half, I'm sitting there going, some of the softest one-on-one misses I've ever seen. The Papali inside shoulder and Whitehead in the middle where Lawrence just went. That was just like they looked out the block-block play and just completely forgotten about the middle man in the middle. He just crashed over. And then, you know, Leilua Lua getting that one-on-one out there with Maher. I think Brooks kind of jammed in. Maher held out, so it was a three-on-two. And why he picked the right man to go to, he was on the back foot. And Leilua Lua was powerful as well, got over the top of him. Um, just I thought the first half was just a battle of soft tries by both sides, and no one really had full control. Yeah. Second half, though, Josh Hodgson. You can't have more of an impact back from an injury in your first game than what he did, let alone over your whole side. There was a knock-on effect for him being on the field to all aspects of Canberra's game to a Cameron Smith level. And we've said in the past that he was number two only to Smith. The point couldn't have been any more proved when he came on the field on the weekend. Mm. Straight away from dummy half, you get the triple threat. Threat of the kick, threat of the pass, threat to run. First play of the game, gets him a penalty. Next play, looks to play out the back and throw a long eyes deception. Players go out there. Hits to point short. Did that for the rest of the game. I think he had four involvements in tries, but he just had a flow and effect every single part. I think the big thing, I said this the other year, between Austin, Caesar, and himself, there was no alpha, but we always thought it was Hodgson. But I think it's clear cut now since he's been out of the side and those two have struggled, who the big dog is, who needs to be controlling the game. And it all starts for them, similar it does to Melbourne, and very, very rare situation, an exception talent to have. It starts with Hodgson. It's his team. The flowing effect was obvious. He's a freak. The forward pack was better because of him. They got over the ad line. He takes the marks out of the equation. They rolled much better. They had numbers both sides of the field. The halves looked 100 times better off him. They had more time and space because they have to be accountable for Josh Hodgson at the ruck. Mm -hmm. He put a kick in and almost got a 40-20. He just brings different levels to everything. We saw Canberra a a couple of years ago with him re-injected. There was offloads. There was flow. There was roll. Blake Austin looked better. Caesar had less pressure on him. There was an extra foot there to kick. He brings, again, like we said, that threat that generally ticks all the boxes from dummy half like a Cameron Smith. Mm. And it flowed through to all aspects of their game. And every part of their team was better for it. Yeah. Uh, is it too late? Like you said, probably not. They're lucky, unlucky they didn't win a couple more of those games because they'd be in the eight and probably pushing more for a top four spot. But he is, it's, 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 it blows my mind to think that in his first game he had that much of an impact in 40 minutes. Just absolutely crazy. The second best hooker in the comp when he's fit behind for, Cameron Smith. For the Tigers, though, just worrying. Um, I think there's been way too much pressure, like I said, on Brooks since Benji's been out and not having a real nine. Taylor and a couple of these guys feeling it's not doing the job. Thompson's got a good carry at the back, but he can't chip in. But getting Farrah in, getting uh, Mbai at the back there, I think there's going to be some pressure taken off him as far as the way they attack. Mm. They should be better in that sense, but they've definitely died in the arse a bit in the forward pack, that's for sure. Yep. They're struggling a bit there. They are, massively. Even Packer and Madalino and these guys that were going really good at the start of the year are struggling. To make an impact, they're struggling because they don't have a nine, and Luke Brooks is struggling. Um, well, he needs to, to roll drop, on on something. They, in front they've of had him. to drop uh, Lola here because of his dire performances over the last few weeks. So oh, I think it's just gone a little bit stale for the Tigers. They need to re- reinvigorate it. Hopefully, these players come in and can do that for them. Yeah. Well, there you go. In the second half, seven tries conceded, thirty-six or thirty-eight points. Just. Absolutely crazy to yeah. think that that was the well, case. Well, the Shannon Boyd one, how the hell did the bunker get that wrong? Yeah, well, I guess when we brought up the ref crack down, there's two on the weekend. That one's a no try, but the forward pass is let go as well, so I don't know. But Well, they can't rule on the forward pass. Touchy and the ref on the field missed that, but that Shannon Boyd one, they sent it up try, mm. and like on the first look, you're how, like, try. How could you not take And that? then he said that 
there's no clear evidence that the ball hit the ground. Well, that doesn't need clear evidence no. because he sent it up he a sent try. Up a try. So craziness. Yeah. Dominant performance by Canberra, though. Good signs there. Let's see how they go in a couple of weeks' time against the Brisbane Broncos. But there you go. There's your match reviews from the round. We'll now move on to the fan questions brought to you by Poker Deluxe, www.pokerdeluxe.com.au. Footy season is here now, so if you are part of a sports club or you're looking for a fundraising idea for your club, look no further because with over 10 years' experience, Poker Deluxe are the industry leaders in fundraising for sports clubs. Paul and Adam at Poker Deluxe are passionate about what they do and committed to raising much-needed funds for your team. They have come with a whopping $1,000 profit guarantee as minimum. They provide all the equipment, host to run the night, and over $2,000 worth of prizes to be won. It's a no-brainer. If you're on a committee or involved with the club, get in touch with the boys there, chat to them, and see how you can guarantee that $1,000 profit. Mention the podcast, and you get a $100 discount off the cost of running that event. And to date, they have raised over $1.5 million for sporting clubs around Australia. So get in touch, www.pokedeluxe.com.au. So now on to your fan questions. And we kick those off with one from Twitter, from Janice Mateus. Who do you think the Dragons are and should be targeting to replace Armel? Well, I think I answered that one earlier on. I'd be looking at someone like Terrapo for the right price. I don't know, Brock, what you think there? Somebody yeah. like that on the bench. Big body, play minutes, got an offload, some footwork. Uh, probably obviously a lower price tag you'd be hoping than what I'm now. Just got to go back to the Warriors. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, other than that, off contracts uh, out there in the front row stakes, there's not a whole lot, to be honest, and there's not a whole lot probably in like lock or second row type players that have played tight either. Um, someone like at the Sharks, Jason Bakuya, he's proved that he can play tight coming off the bench. Again, I don't know what the price tag would be for someone like him. I, I guess he'd be probably higher than Terrapo maybe at this point in time. Mm. There's a Patrick Magar at the Broncos. He's not getting enough minutes, would be interested in more time. The one that intrigues me, and he was at Manly at the start of the year, and he's off contract, Kalepi Tanganar. I know he's coming off an ACL, but he was on basement bottom dollar. He was playing good those few games there. If they can get him on some sort of okay deal coming off the injury, there are a couple of guys I might look at given the fact that they've spent very top-heavy on that exceptional forward pack they've got, obviously. Yeah. Uh, moving on, Arthur Sekoulis, with the gap between the top eight and the bottom eight widening, when do you think teams will be putting the queue on the rack and planning for 2019? Will we see big margins scored against these sides? Has it come earlier than other seasons? It's come earlier, I think, for the bottom four. Yeah. And I'd probably say Newcastle, Manly, I think it's almost five or six teams now. I think realistically it's the Tigers and it's the Raiders with a chance. Yeah. So it's maybe yeah, 10 Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as far as blowouts, I don't think so. Maybe for a couple of those teams like the Dogs and that who just got a demoralising situation, maybe Manly because of the off-field kind of stuff. But I think Newcastle will give a good account of themselves most weeks. Yeah, they do. I think the Titans, while they're a bit Jekyll and Hyde, you know, they'll beat the Broncos and they'll get beaten by somebody else. We've seen that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, a couple of those teams I think will continue. Yeah, I think that middle four, Canberra, West Tigers, Newcastle and Gold Coast, they can beat anyone on their day. But their consistency just is the main issue at the moment. Yeah, and the Cowboys haven't really been blown away by anyone. They've had a lot of close losses or average losses. It's just they poor, a poor, play a poor brand of football. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jeff says, what do you guys think about the test match in Denver? I think the negativity around this is ridiculous. Why <coughs> should the game uh, not try to grow in a huge potential market like the US? I don't know. It's just the wrong time for me. Well, my bigger poor issue timing. is... And were we really going to stay there? Like, well, that's, what are we doing? What's, what's, the, what's the bigger picture? Yeah. yeah, what is the follow-up? And that's the big thing I think a few people have brought up in the media side of things is we're going over there, but it's not even organised by the NRL or the International Rugby League. This is by a promoter, like the Juco thing with the Auckland Nines and that. There's no benefit to the NRL or Rugby League uh, because there's no pathway or follow-up to it. It's just a one-off, taking a game, take the cash and run. Yeah. And for clubs, and this is my big issue and it has been for the past, 
I pay your wage as a player and you're going to fly over there midweek, Denver, playing a test, potentially get hurt. And now they've changed the rules this week or whatever Peter Beattie brought in. There's like a cap exemption now. Depending on what you've got left, you can spend up to yeah, $350,000. Yeah. But at this point in the season, some of those deals would have bugger all left on them and it would make a difference to you anyway. But it's if not you're going to play a massive role this nah. year. And even when they say, oh, you can spend up to 350 k like last year, losing Thurston. <laughs> how do you replace Jonathan Thurston? 350 k and even looking at Cup and a thing, you're not going to get anything close to what you want to replace that bloke. You're hoping you've got a good depth play in your squad. Yeah. But even if you went and looked at the New South Wales Cup this year or Queensland Cup and said, I want to buy a half, the halves that have been picked in this game, say, for the weekend, the residents, two of them are 19-year-old uh, and 20-year-old kids who wouldn't be ready to play first grade. One in Jamal Fogarty for the Queensland Cup team has played a couple of games and has already spent six or seven years trying to get those few games he got. Yeah. And Billy Walters is in the backlog at Melbourne there waiting to play. So there's no one really out there you're going to get your value for. So as a club, if I'm paying someone's wages, I'm filthy that they're going all the way to Denver for a test match. And it's not you know NRL <clears throat> structured or international rugby league with a plan. Yeah. Jason Deerham says, Who brought, whose bright idea was it to take this England and NZ test to USA? It would have been a great to watch it on Friday Night Live. No effing idea. So he's probably more on the flip side. Like yeah, most it's of not them. about the fans, really. Like no, they're, they're not. Not, this isn't a, a run at trying to get fans here. It's a run at trying to get fans in the US. Well, it's a more a money thing, I think. Yeah, well, that said, too. It's, yeah. it's more an independent thing. From an, but who's promoter. getting the money? The promoter will be getting the money. The players won't be getting the money. Well, they're going to have to get something, but I still don't think uh, at the end of the day it's dollars for the promoter. That's more what it is. Mark Hindle, what do you guys think of Liam Knight? Had a decent game against the Tigers on the weekend. Always seems enthusiastic around the park whenever he plays. Do you see a role for him next year? I've been on his hype train for a while. Get on board, gents. Zero mosquitoes. Yeah, he's a good good player. Talented player coming through. Just did some dumb shit. I was going to say, we've already mentioned him before in previous years that he was exceptional. He was the best forward in their team in Manly in 2013 or whatever it was and coming through the grades. He's exceptional. But simple. He's done some dumb shit. It's taken him a couple of years to pull himself together. I don't know why it's taken this long, honestly, with the the player he is to get to this point. He's been at the Roosters. He's now been at Raiders. I reckon it's two years, taken two years longer than what it probably should have given the off-field drama. Yeah, but he's a front row. I get that. But at the same time, he's an exceptional player. You can play on an edge. You can do a couple of different roles. But I don't know if it's just a maturity thing. Uh, the, I think it'd be more work ethic and all that that's probably taken him longer to get to grade. But off-field drama. On his day, he could be anything. Yeah. He could be an outstanding player. No doubt with the way the Raiders have got with their forwards at the moment, they won't be letting Liam Knight go. They've lost a couple of front rows. They'll be holding on to him. Mm. Vanilla Thriller, one of the most informative or entertaining NRL-focused Twitter accounts worth following. To be honest, bar answering your fan questions and posting stuff up, I don't look at Twitter that much. No, me so. neither. It's not we don't sort of follow up for information. We it's just we, we're on it for you guys. Yeah, we're we on get, it for fans. We're on it for questions. We we look at the mentions and things like that for questions. Even the shit that goes on. In there, sometimes we don't read. We just want to be able to communicate with yeah, you guys. It's just avenues like Facebook to communicate with everyone. That's basically the only reason we yeah. use it. Uh, Bort, what are your thoughts on players? All players should have their socks pulled up while playing. For some reason, it irritates the hell out of me seeing half down. It doesn't irritate right. me, but I'm a socks up, man. Very socks minor down. issue, I know. Yeah, well, I had mine down, and my thing is, well, you get tackled, they come down, I'm not fixing them every two seconds. You take so. them up, mate. You're right. Very minor issue. Point Dexter, more event boys. Have to agree with Gus's comments, a la Bennett being paid out at the end of the year. We have a stack of young talent off contract end of this year and next year. So getting the coaching side sorted ASAP is for the best. <coughs> Why not give Demetrio a shot? Yeah, I agree. Well, I've given my yeah. opinion on Demetrio and I've said it multiple times that when McGregor was under pressure and that they let him move on that I was interested in him. Obviously, McGregor's turned things around as far as getting the squad and they're doing okay. But I do rate Jason Demetrio. There's not many coaches I'd throw my weight behind that have done cup 
and Rezies and other bits and pieces. But right now, if there's two names out there, one that now is proving himself over in England after doing a long apprenticeship is Justin Holbrook at St. Helens. And the other one is a bloke like Jason Demetrio. Yeah. And the proof's in the pudding with a guy, like I said, Steve Price, who I didn't know much about. Flopped over here, and now he's gone to Warrington, got to spend some cash, and they're not doing that well for more reports. Or you oh, they're doing okay. okay. They're doing they're okay doing now, okay. okay. Yeah. They started quite poorly. Yeah, I think they won five memory, six games in a row. I think Holbrook in particular... Holbrook's got... He's walked into a better club, like a better team, better development, better juniors. St. Helens are, definitely. <clears throat> yeah, well, fair enough. No, nothing at all. Do you think that this season has been better than last year's in relation to teams being in form and formidable? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, as a whole, the top eight is better across the board yeah. than what it has been in previous seasons, a, yes. There was yeah. a huge divide last year between Melbourne and everyone that we saw on the back run. Yeah. They only lost four games all year. Yeah. And they, despite the... Yeah, they were a standout last year, definitely. Yeah. And even grand final day with all the injuries and the Cowboys getting there. Great story, but didn't It have, was them and the Roosters, really. Yeah. It was probably them the, and the Roosters to shit the bed in the final. They never found that extra gear. They yeah. just coasted And the Sharks, the we expected them to come good the whole year, and they didn't. Errors and discipline all year. Penalties cost them. So, yeah, this year's been better as far as the top end of it, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Stoney, why isn't Brad Fittler ever considered to be inducted as immortal? Has he done something wrong? He's one of the best to ever play. He should be one. Do you guys agree? Uh, look, I, Brad Fittler's my favourite ever player. So, um, I'd like to see him there. But if, if they're only the naming moment, four, though, I think Lockie is ahead of him. I think oh, they're naming two, aren't they, this time? Oh, I think, yeah, two. I think well, again, two. I, I think. And Daily Messenger will be one. And again, I still think there's guys <laughs> um, at the moment. Well, yeah. Look, I think Brad Fittler was one of the most well rounded players. He could tackle. He could cover multiple positions. Um, he was a good attacking player, good runner of the ball, had a good step, defended well, all that sort of stuff. You know, I, I even look at Thurston. I, you know, I think he's been one of the best, you know, the greatest ever players, obviously. But he's not a great defender. Who's so that? Jonathan Thurston. <clears throat> so oh, like you know, his case for being an immortal. Like you look at Andrew Johns, irrefutable. He he defended like an edge back rower. So I think there needs to be some strict criteria in terms of who is an immortal. I think at the moment it's very subjective. For me, is Brad Fittler a slam dunk immortal? No. 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 Is he in the conversation to be an immortal? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, again, that would be my take on it. And he's my favourite player of all time. I think it's just so hard. Like again, we're, we're putting Fittler up against years, generations would, and generations would, of football. Someone and... t- comparable to, to Brad Fittler? I would say Cooper Cronk. I think Brad Fittler's better than Cooper Cronk. I think Cooper Cronk had a lot more around him. I think Brad Fittler... Okay, so who would you compare him to? Maybe Lockyer? I think Brad Fittler is more like a Lockyer, but I still don't think he had as much influence. But there's one thing I will say that's very underrated and I don't didn't understand more until I got older and looked at it more when we had that luncheon and spoke to him. The captaincy roles he had from an earlier stage in his career for Australia, New South mm. Wales and club football. He's a good leader. He is one of those guys who was an exceptional leader for a long point in his career and had long stints for Australia... New South Wales, with exceptional players around him to be the captain, yeah. says a lot about the person as well as the player, which is a very underrated trade in rugby league. We yeah. all know... Well, it's undervalued. Leaders now are even harder to come by with a new generation of kids that are coming through. And I saw it with mine, going to the kids we've got now. It's it's a less common trait to find someone who's just a naturally born and driven leader. Mm. And one we bring up all the time, and I know he gets hammered on a lot of things, a guy that you look at that seems to have those qualities is Jake Dubovic when I look at somebody like that, yeah. at Manly. He seems like an older school guy with his head screwed on. All those kind of qualities, or just being a good person, but uh, yeah, hard to argue. But there's so many names you could throw. You could debate. This is one of those things you could debate, and no one's ever going to agree on it. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Scott Brainy, 
West Tigers, Bulldogs, now Sharks have lost to the Broncos on controversial referendum decisions this year. Calls at crucial moments in the 80-minute mark. These controversial decisions have occurred during 16 and 17 seasons well. Brock, I'm sure you remember the Round 1 Finals in 2016. Titans Broncos. Don't get me started, baby. Do you think there's any legitimacy to hashtag penalty Broncos? Seems right to have them play finals footy every year from a business perspective. Cheers, love the show. Oh, I don't know whether there's a... Uh, I don't draw conspiracy bows. theory. However, they've definitely got the rub of the green in a couple of games this year. You've yes. also got to acknowledge that they have been fairly stacked for a long time. Yeah. Always had good players. And they've also so. got a very strong home field advantage up there. I yeah. don't think Suncorp. people uh, underestimate that effect that it has on officials. And you know, yeah, the, the, yeah, I think it does. It does. Of course, it does. Well, for us to for us to say that it doesn't have an effect on officials, yeah, home you know, crowd, we, booing, yeah, of course it does. It does. And it's, of course it, it does. Yeah. And that's that's to, that's. The Broncos, mate, good on you, Broncos fans. You get out there, you support your team, you scream as loud as you want. If yeah. that gets your team penalties, then good luck to you. Good. But I don't, I don't buy into a conspiracy theory no, I don't, the Broncos I don't to make the finals. I don't, I don't know Look, so, it, yeah, it makes sense from a business perspective. Right? Yeah, but NRL's, but NRL's but not delving that way every year just I don't to get the buy into, um, You can't make the finals 21 or 22 years in a row or whatever it is. No, no, definitely not. Jamie Dutton, I understand Luke Curie is playing great footy, but why in God's name is he always talked about for Origin? He said himself he wants to play for Queensland, but instead we insist of thinking of picking him. Your thoughts? Strange. I made mine made two years ago that it's bullshit. He's not eligible for Queensland. He was born in Ipswich. He stayed up to there until he was 15, 16 years old. The only reason he's being put under the Blues banner is that new system they brought in, which should have fixed the problem, but somehow is still fucked up. Mm. He's not a New South Welshman. If he wants a rep jersey and a player... If I'm in Luke Keery's shoes, I'm taking the jersey. I want to play Origin. Whether rightly or wrongly, or with New South Wales person, you've got a problem with it. I more feel sorry for him that he was born, bred, and raised in Queensland, uh, you know, 15, 16 years, and he played his junior footy up here, and the system's graded him that way. But would I knock back an Origin jersey? Hell no. I wouldn't knock it back. Do I think it's right or wrong? I don't know. It's not- I'm not calling self-sabotage from the inside, though, just because he's, uh, you know, a native Queenslander, but there's plenty that have gone the other way, so, uh, yeah. Whether that's, they actually wanted to go that way, though, but mm. um, I'm sure the concept, if they rang him tomorrow and said that Maloney's out, you want to play, he definitely would be knocking it back. Well, Brad Fittler must have had a conversation with but him. I'm not losing any sleep over it, that's for sure. Yeah. So, But, yeah, I, I've said at the start that the system's broken still that if he gets classified as a New South Welshman. That's crazy. Yeah. Andrew Rooney, what's Kamali smoking? Just saw the NRL preview of Game 2. Kamali talking about how Queensland need to change their kicking game because it didn't work to Tom Turbo all night. Worked perfectly. New South Wales couldn't make any ground because he got stuck in the mud. Then starts going on about how New South Wales dominated the Queensland forward pack in game one, really, and is Milford the most overrated player in the game? Well, as far as dominating the forward pack, I don't think they dominated the forward pack. I thought they held their own and they probably got the points decision. The kicking game, I think they do need to change. So I agree with him there. Uh, they did kick Dubojevic on purpose. The thing is, they didn't get a result out of it. I know they slowed down their set start per se and you know they went after him, but you need to challenge him. You need to try and force an error. You know, like change something, fine grass, try and get a repeat set. They just constantly got inside 20 or 30 and then repeated. So I guess he's more saying looking for a different result other than just an easy catch and trying to pin them in their half. Because mm. New South Wales weathered that storm and it didn't have an effect on the result overall. So I get partly where he's coming from. Milford, the most overrated player in the game? I wouldn't say that. No. Not most overrated. Do you agree with his price tag for what he's delivering? No. But at the same time, you can't blame players for getting paid what they get paid. That's what a club's willing to pay. Same as Aaron Woods. As much as we criticise Aaron Woods, at the end of the day, if a club came to me and offered me $850,000 as a front row, that's the biggest contract in the NRL easily for a front row. I'm taking it. It's not Aaron Woods' fault. No, but I'm just, you're not knocking it back. No, whether, no. whether we agree or not, he's not worth that price tag. But if someone offered me, good on you. I'm taking it. That's the bulldog's fuck up. 
John Renahan, the expansion of the game, we need to expand or slowly die. Well, we need better slowly depth and competently. And we, we need, need planning and we need money and we need assets and things for the league to move forward so they don't have to bail out new clubs and we need to be strategic about it. So we can't just expand rapid fire and we've mentioned on here plenty of times. The amount of players that are still going to the Super League or kids that are leaving too early that should remain in our top 30 squads because of depth need to stay. And with those cap increases, that's where we wanted the money to go and the minimum wage to go up. Unfortunately, the top end still seem to have got richer while the bottom end stayed poorer. So until that side of it gets fixed and more people stay in our systems, in our Queensland Cup and New South Wales Cup and 20s get better, it's going to be harder to expand. If we expand it right now, you dilute the comp massively. Yeah. And the other thing, I, we bring this up all the time. People bring up a Papua New Guinea team being a great idea. Who's moving to PNG? There'd need to be some kind of surplus or government intervention or some exceptional <laughs> setup to pay people off the books to get someone to move no, from they'd, Australia they'd to have to, They'd have to train here like, like the Q Cup side does and play in PNG. Well, then you've got the disadvantage of travel and going over. And, and WA even still. Like people could go, oh, yeah, it's a good spot to no, set up. No, Perth, Perth will definitely have I think to, it would work. That's going to happen. But you've still got to get players that are willing to go there. And with oh, the money, there, there'll be definitely players willing to go yeah, there, man. It's more they the high end be. I'm looking at going, well, marquee players. Yeah, they will. Yeah. I think they will. But, yeah, I think expansion will happen, but in due time. Dominic Coogan, South backup hooker. Letting Farrah makes no sense to me. Let him go. I, I would have kept him if I'm South. From a depth perspective, completely agree. I guess from money and upgrading Cook or getting terms sorted before next year, I know that money's going to be gone off the books, but maybe they're looking to do something right now to make him happier or Doubt it. other players. But I kind of agree because I, I haven't looked at their cup it's side. About this year. When he's not playing, I haven't seen Wouldn't them. it be Murray that would go to nine if nah, he got injured? he's a lock. I'd have to look at their cup side to see who's playing nine at the moment. I haven't had them this year to commentate nor seen any of their TV games, but I think they well, had... There's been Farrah playing there. I think so... Hawkins or someone was one of the players, or Connor Tracy, I think he might have moved I over. I don't like nine. it, man. Now, Brad Dietz is there, sorry. Brad Dietz is okay. a former Australian schoolboy, but yeah, still. He's still not. He'd be making an NRL well, debut, Farrah, which is a yeah. huge ask, so... I think if that happened, you'd see someone like you said, they'd probably plug Murray in or Jason Clark. South have got a history. Like a lot of people forget, Isaac Luke didn't play in the grand final. Nope, and Cook was there for that. It was no, it was um, Appy Corusau that played. Oh, in the it was Appy, yeah, sorry. Yeah. And then the Bulldogs had Cook, didn't yeah. they? And they, uh, they put him by instead of Cook. Mm. Cook didn't play. Ben Nobbs, want to know how the Broncos are getting away with not having an organising half in the field? Alfie Langer is out there doing it. Do you think the NRL will ever bother doing something about trainers or just continue oh, they should. to ignore it? It's a fucking joke. Well, everyone brings this up, and yeah, he's probably the absolute <clears throat> It's an absolute for joke. It. I hate it. But they all stand out there. And at that level, if you don't know what you're doing, you just... Uh, yeah. just and the, the, the NRL brought in a rule this year saying that they have to be off the field by play four. So that means for the first, you know, three or four tackles, they're out there. It's just... Like, get them off the fucking field. Not disagreeing. I hate it. Stephen Moorcroft, if footy clubs were a beer, what beer would some of those clubs be? Oh, I'll tell you what, the Bulldogs would be VB, very bad. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, uh, I'd have to say to his news, Penrith, but that's just because it's a Westy beer and I drink it. it'd be bloody pale ale because they're cloudy and dodgy. Yeah. <sighs> what would Melbourne be, mate? Melbourne would be... You're going to come up with something? something? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, nah. The Titans, you'd be Corona. You're just flat. Corona's great. Just boring. <laughs> Flat and boring. Uh, Andrew Bennett. We all know Shannon Boyd's no-try decision was a shock from the bunker. What about the other one off the kickoff return where Josh Hodgson was deemed to have obstructed the Tigers player? Looked like he just held his <laughs> line to me. Gus Gould was all, don't even go there. 
Yeah. Yeah, well, I struggled with that one as well, mate. But again, we're never going to get rid of every blunder. So I didn't. There was. I didn't think any of those were no tries. To be fair, like oh. just watching, it, I was like, let's let him go. Like you're going back to something that happened right at the start of the play. And I know it doesn't matter, but it didn't affect the result. But yeah. that's still not the point. It's the one where they disallowed it. I can't remember who scored in the right corner, but if he would have got tackled a meter out, it was for the obstruction where he ran around the back of the player and uh, the referee let it go and then set it up no try. And you're like, hang on a minute. If you thought it was no try, why didn't you make that call live? Why didn't you penalise him live? So you were playing Russian roulette, hoping that he got tackled, uh, hoping that he scored, so you could look at it and set it up no try. But if he gets tackled a meter out, then nothing happens. The play goes on. Exactly. Yep. Enough said. <sighs> Matt Elliott, thoughts on Matty Pryor's New South Wales selection? Agree, disagree, or indifferent? Well, I think in our preview we covered that. I love uh, it. No problem with it. He's brought in for a reason. He'll do the job. Ryan Oliver, with Canberra losing Shannon Boyd in Newcastle and St. George, seeming looking for new props. Do you think rather than chasing Woods, chasing Fanua Blake and tap out Manly with salary cap situation is much better? Love to see either in the green machine. Agree with your opinion on Woods. First time I have put in, in a question, but long time listener. Love the podcast. Much appreciated, champion. Completely understandable to go at Manly, and in particular, Marty Tapau, as we said earlier. He's banging the door down right now to get out of there. He hasn't got his third-party money. I don't think he's happy playing a losing team. The Roosters, the Sharks, there's plenty of people interested in Marty Tapau. And why wouldn't they be? Offloads, tackle breaks, big minutes. He's a, deep, a very, very good front row. He's up there in the elite class of front rowers. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if the Green Machine would be somewhere he'd be willing to go. I think he would rather stay in Sydney. But if you're Canberra, why wouldn't you be trying to you know make that proposition Correct. or try and get somebody like that? Adam Bevan, why has rugby league turned boring? Rather go back and watch the old games from back in the 80s. We'll go back and watch them. There's plenty Feel on free. Foxtel. Go for go. Feel free, mate. Duncan Bridgeford, thoughts on the way Fitley used Frizzell in Origin 1. For me, I'd like to see him play at least 60 minutes or even the full 80 out on the edge. He was threatening every time he ran for the first 20, but seems wasted in the middle of me. I agree. Would love to see him working over Munster in defense all game. I agree. Well, again, you pick your bench a certain way. They obviously had a thought for Crichton. I think Frizzell's better off just hammering people out in the edges. Or he plays middle purely and you don't pick another one of those front rows. I'd, I'd pick him in a role, and that's plain but and simple. I think there's, there's been absolutely zero reason for me to question anything that yeah. Bradford has done so far. So Agreed. play on. And, uh, yeah. They got the job done, so see what happens in game two. DL Lawrence, do you fellas rate Dan Ganane as a commentator? Not sure if he's rugby league background, but bloke's got the voice for it. Love him. I'd have to say, and I've said this before, a lot of people, he's probably my favourite on all the radio kind of things and better than most of the TV things. You know the best part about Dan Ganane? Quality call, does his job, good for a laugh, mixes in with everybody, keys everybody in and and gets them involved in the game. But the number one thing, I don't know who he supports. And I think I found out maybe a year ago finally that maybe he's a Dogs fan, I think. Okay. Again, from a conversation, but I have no idea who he goes for. He just seems keen on all teams. I've never heard him had a bias or anything like that. Who did did you hear he goes for? I think he goes for the Bulldogs. Okay, there you go. But that's what I mean. I'm I'm still not even sure because the way he talked about him. But I think he's great. Uh, anytime he's on any of those shows, I think he does an exceptional job. And yeah. I, I think he's doing a bit more on TV this year, which is a bit sad because I really enjoyed him when he was on Triple M. So, yeah, uh, yeah great call, though. When I'm driving home from commentating on Saturdays, I usually listen to the first half when it's him. So, yeah, quality. Jay Smith, think Ferguson and Newcastle is a good idea. You Reuniting with Pierce, could it bring a bad culture? Am I overreacting? Who was it? Blake Ferguson oh. was spotted this week talking to Nathan Brown to move to Newcastle. Oh, Kenny Dow, Ferguson, Pierce. At this point, I'm going to bring it up this way. He's at the back end of his career. He just got punted from football. They didn't give him a long-term deal for a reason. <clears throat> yeah. I think for him, he has, he's got no stuff-ups left. And if anything went wrong now, that's him done at 28, 29. 
So I think this last deal would be very important to him. Could Newcastle use him compared to an Nathan Ross, a Ken Sarah, and the guys they've got? His yardage works exceptional. Yes, he can be rocks and diamonds, but for the right price, I think he, he would want some long-term security at the back end of his career. Yep. Is it worth the risk, given the football he's playing at the moment? I'd say yes, compared to what they've got there. Yeah, And I still don't think they'd be... People may say they might be breaking the bank, but for what you get out of yardage and what he is, what would you be willing to pay for Blake Ferguson if you're Newcastle? Four. Four? I'd think he'd be more around the five mark. Yeah, I'd pay four. Three years, five? I'd pay four. All right, well, there you go. Four, 50, yeah. If we... They had a uh, some third parties. I'd, I'd be willing to go to five. I think four on the cap. They've got some car stuff and a few things they've got going up there. So I think they might be able to put something in there. So you might be talking four on the cap and fifty thousand dollar car allowance or something like that. Something but like, yeah. Who knows? But I think he's looking for security. He's old enough, stupid enough, like surely smart enough now not to get involved in any more drama. He lost his rep jerseys. I don't think he's smart enough. That's well, this is his last endeavour, really. If the rep jerseys <laughs> are out of the question, um, unless Mal Meninga calls him back in this Jones side with Dukes, but. Yeah. Given uh, the situation for both sides right now, you wouldn't think that'd be the case, would you? Nope. Alex Pugsley, <laughs> why is South still in the comp? Well, that's no. a pretty silly champion. Dude. David Hooper, boys, in your opinions, which team or teams have the worst edge defense and the best edge attack? Well, edge attack South. Edge attack would be South. I think they've been pretty good edge this year. D. Their left edge is exceptional. Worst edge D. I think Canberra are pretty bad on the edges. Canberra's far out. Canberra's right edge is horrendous. It is. Terrible. Parramatta didn't give much better account of themselves the other night. And I'd have to say the Titans at times have been horrendous on their edges as well. But yeah. uh, they're last inside 20 at conceding points, which proves more to the pudding why the Bulldogs are so bad on the weekend. They couldn't even score, mm. basically, inside 20 with all the extra football. Robbie Ryan, I missed last week's show. Maybe you covered it, but what are your thoughts on Sunday Origin? As a huge rugby league supporter, I only realised yesterday it was on this weekend instead of Wednesday. Will they lose casual viewers? There's more, so. there's more reason, I think, to watch it on Sunday. <clears throat> if you're a casual viewer because you're more likely to be at home and you don't have work or if your kids and etc surely on a Sunday night it's easier to sit down and plan to watch a game of football I'm not sure than it is I, on a Wednesday night because we're we're rusted on we're going to watch it regardless so I don't and that's more what I'm I don't, more, I know people go we need to get more people in but I'm always more worried about the rusted on fans I like the concept of Sunday I reckon it's going to be great I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I don't, Mid- I don't give a shit if they played it at midnight. Midweek, all I ever worry about is if I drink too much or am I going to drink or where am I going to be or getting home and work and all that kind of stuff on Sunday. Uh, I, yeah, I do have work the next day, but I'm still looking forward to it being on the weekend. Yeah. Adam Thomas, why is the Pacific Test being played in Campbelltown? It seems like bad scheduling by the NRL. I thought they wanted to grow the international game. Wouldn't somewhere in New Zealand or the actual Pacific nations be a better option? Yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not really going to argue. With that side of things, there's a, uh, there's a massive Pacific Islander population. Parramatta, Western Sydney, Campbelltown, where we are. When they had it at Penrith the other year, Tonga Samoa, that was awesome. Yeah. It was crazy. So, in that sense of things, there's a lot of Polynesians. It's just and, reflective of the demographic. The Western yeah. Sydney demographic is heavy with um, Pacific Islander people. And then we're talking cost, getting a stadium for these teams or the nations that but aren't having so funding. Got, a lot of those players would be Sydney based players. Yeah. It's just easy for them. It's just making things easier. I think. Out of season, you've got to point massively if they want to play that overseas like they did a couple of years ago. I reckon they would have. They did. They did. They, they last year, Samoa, last year they did in the lead-up to the World Cup. They played a lot of games in the Pacific Nations. They played two or three warm-up games over there. So, Yeah. Daniel yeah. Friend, our coach is too eager to take jobs. Pay Barrett and Brennan, for example, taking jobs that will take years before they are competitive. I know it's their career goal, but being a head coach at a struggling club could cost them their career long-term I think anyway. the Titans are a struggling club. I don't think they're a struggling club. I just think they've had bad contracts. They're not, and they're, they're not handicapped to any contract there apart from Bryce Cartwright's. Manly are handicapped or handcuffed to Cherry Evans. And he's still got them to the finals. And he's a prick. Yeah. 
and like, now they've got it. Like, salary cap issues and other club yeah. issues and other things going and on. And they've got inner fighting. Like at the Titans, there's absolutely no inter-club fighting at all. Dean Pay, I guess. Dean again. Pay's just been, Dean Pay knew exactly what he was walking exactly. into. So, so <sighs> there is other times where you look and go, well, the someone's just desperate to get a job, and then they fall over. But Dean Pay, Dean Pay, to be fair, I'm not sure he would have got another job. No, he's a bulldog. He's guy. a bulldog. They wanted a bulldog, yeah. and he's so, been waiting a long time. So yeah, maybe Garth Brennan. Situation. I'm not sure he would have got another job either. He didn't get the Newcastle one. He's a Newcastle boy. Didn't get the Penrith one. Exactly, Gus Gould and they openly him. said he was he's the next NRL coach in waiting, and then overlooked him for the job that came up at his club. I must admit, there so, are some sometimes it must feel like that is taking a job for the sake of it. But then again, you may never get another opportunity. So for some blokes, they must just look at it and go, "Well, you know, fuck it, I roll the dice." And I don't yeah. blame a lot of them. There, there has been a couple that have been in and out, but how often do you get an offer? You know, to coach an NRL side, yep. I guess. Stephen Grimm will New South Wales bring a bit more mongrel to game too, or look to play fast. Best Peter Wallace yarn. Well, New South Wales should bring more mongrel. We said they've been way too friendly. Peter Wallace yarn. We, I think we've already told that story, haven't we? Of the cricket. Oh, when you had a fight with him about a I didn't chair. have a fight with him, but it was my chair. And we were a bit loaded. This is a long time ago. so eight years ago. Good time. Good guy, Pete. Yeah, he's a good bloke. Adam Chandler is controversy corner, the biggest circle jerk on TV. I love it. That's, I, I watch the big leg rap and I watch nothing but the two 10-minute segments. Of I more look at Graham Hughes wanting to just murder Buzz Rothfield and laugh because every time he just disagrees with him, he basically wants to pick a fight with Buzz. I reckon it's hilarious. I thought it was good to have Roy Masters on the other night. He's um, a journal who I read when I was very, very young. I haven't read a lot of him recently just because the Sydney Morning Herald is a mindfuck to read physically and online it costs too much money. So I don't read a lot of Roy Masters anymore, but... He lives now in Melbourne now. He's very close to Craig Bellamy and um, he's getting along a little bit, Roy. So Yeah, he is fairly. Um, yeah, it's just those old school guys that have paved the way for uh, plenty of journalists in rugby league um, and have got the game to where it is today. So it was good to, good to see him on there. Buzz, we've got a love-hate relationship with Buzz. Mate, he's over in bro, Russia at the moment. Just leave Buzz alone, mate. He just likes a beer and he the sharkies. Fucking, he fucking blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, he blocked. Like, <laughs> he blocked us four years ago. Because I, I sprayed him about the five-year plan thing. Just quietly, the amount of people that are tagging him saying, "If you listen to the fifth and last, because they do a great impersonation of you," he he couldn't have missed it by now. He's, We've been tagged yeah. by a thousand people about us impersonating Buzz. So Buzz, I'm sure... Guys, just tag away. He'll eventually listen and he'll eventually unblock us and hopefully he gives us a mention on the in, on NRL 360. I'm or... willing to throw the invite out there, Brock, that if he's willing to come on the show, we'll have a three-way buzz off where you can be Buzz, <laughs> I can be Buzz, and Buzz can be Buzz. And we can all sit here and just go, but Kenty, mm. you're not listening to me, mate. Mm. Andrew Fafita... And I'll turn, and I'll the, turn the air conditioner on here to 30 and we can all sit here and sweat. That's what we should do. We should, you, everyone, that's, that's the campaign now. Start tagging Buzz. Talk, talk to us. Talk to the fifth and last Hashtag buzz. bring on Buzz. Yeah. Get Buzz on. We want to talk to Buzz. Get him Imagine back. the spray give us before we went on air. Good. Unblock us, Buzz. <laughs> <laughs> Get us in. Pat Crosby, after what came out of the podcast regarding Anthony Watmau's comments on DC, surely the board and Manly have to say he's the common denominator. Do you think that Manly would regret signing for such a big deal and dollars because he isn't reflecting his price tag and the clown thinks that he has a big future in the media post-playing career? Well, no, all, this, all this stuff we've covered earlier, the old guard, basically, and we know this from being in football teams, if you're a bloke like that and people hate you, there's a reason for it. Yeah. All the old blokes hated him. Sure, there's guys that are buying him in with him now, but that's almost like school sometimes in football teams. He's the highest paid player. He's the captain. Most people would just be trying to stay out of the headlights. But the, the Hastings thing and plenty of other things that you've heard from Watmau, rightly or wrongly, people have got different 
perspectives on it. Why is he held back for so long? I'm sure he was waiting until he was finished with the game before he unleashed. And uh, obviously it hit breaking point once he saw that the club's struggling. He's been inducted to their Hall of Fame. He saw the Hastings situation, Tuvi, all these things, etc. And uh, they're playing like crap. So he just... Yeah. I, did you listen to the whole podcast? No. I, down, I downloaded it and listened to all of it. It was a big manly suck-off for most of it, but which, yeah, I had to sit with a bucket listening to it, but... Um, he dropped the hammer a fair bit. Yeah, was, yeah. I heard the stuff about Hazlitt and all that as well, that when he left that he thought that was... It was just also interesting, you know, to having him talk about going out and, you know, the way that people are and taking photos and just how loose he was for at some parts of his career, out in the cross. And, in, in that case, I want to listen to it now, so you're yeah. going to have to put me onto that. It was, yeah, probably 20 minutes of good stuff, 20 minutes of manly flog-off stuff, but I think it's a manly-based podcast. So okay. They're, they're right. They're giving up their time just like we are. I'm not bagging yeah. them. No, I'm no. just saying that like for when 20 minutes of yeah. it, I was like, fuck, man, I don't want to listen to this. And people out there... Like and all said, the manly fans would listen to it. That's not a shot on anyone. Like Some people <laughs> like their own team-specific podcast. I can't stand the Melbourne one. They have a Melbourne thing every week yeah. with SEN or whatever, and they have the players on it. It's just a mass Melbourne jerk. I can't cop it. Yeah. I really can't. Because when we're on here, if they do play bad, like I said, this weekend, I'm not we just going to go, oh, Melbourne, they're great. If yeah. they play like shit and I thought it was hard to watch, I'm not going to give them a rap. We've been doing this podcast for five years and I've given my team a rap maybe once. Yeah, you haven't given many any raps. <laughs> You're usually pretty violent towards the Titans. It's yeah. quite amusing. Justin Zellers, who will be the first team moved out of Sydney? Far too many teams. We get asked this question all the time. I don't know why people are so obsessed with getting their team out. Like, I don't think anyone will be moved out of Sydney. Nah, neither do I. Jason Thompson, I mainly all the Bulldogs, <laughs> the shittest team in the cot right now. The Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Oh, they're horrible to watch. Joel Banks, thoughts on the RTS decision to not take part in the Denver test, stating he chose his club over his country. Should he be selected ever again, or is his choice justified? Justified, man. It's well, a shit time of the year. Going through all this again. Club trying to make finals. They're paying his wages. It's all overseas. ACL last it's, year, yeah, it's for a promoter. He's come back from an ACL injury. He's playing some decent football. People like him and Johnson all that want to play finals and win a premiership or have a chance to win a premiership. They're not going off to play a one-off for some bloke who's going to line his pockets with cash. But also, from a physiological like standpoint, body, recovery, etc., etc. Terrible for someone Two like weeks him. off, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And he's just come back from injury going again. Going to Denver, playing and coming yeah. home, horrendous. First game back from injury again, though. Yeah. So he's worried about winning and his club's paying his wages. At the end of the day, you'd be filthy. You just re-signed him for four years on an exceptional deal. You would have sat him down and said, please do not go. Well, I think we're going to get to a time where the NRL and NRL contracts should just say from March 1 to uh, October 1, you cannot play for any other team but the NRL team, except for State of Origin. And those salary cap rules will still be in place that they've brought in, which are all well and good, yep. and it'd be easier so, to handle. So games played outside of that in, in the off-season. Windows. So yeah. you can go, okay, you've lost somebody, you've got 350k up to the value of that to go get some. Which, again, you'll never replace a Sheck, a Thurston, or more, any of these guys with the money that you're going to have. Mm. But... I do like the fact they've given some leeway now because the situation where Kurt Gidley got hurt the other year was on massive money for Newcastle and then I all said, well, it's not our problem yeah. and it happened in the All-Stars game. They encouraged players to go play for that. Clubs got filthy. Next time around, all these players mysteriously had issues heading into that game. Mm. So there's no incentive for these players or their clubs to go over other than the promoters getting it. And yeah, they can play for their country, but they're mid-season and you know Johnson and him are fresh back from injury. Why do they want to travel over there and get hurt again yeah. for nothing? Brad Swift, stoked to see Robbie Rocco back in the Tigers' side. Greatest of all time. Mm. Well, he didn't have too happy a weekend, I must say. Unfortunately, old Robbie Rocco. He looks like he's 150 years old. He was good in cut the week before, but yeah, it wasn't a happy weekend for any of the Tigers. John Newborn, with Dugan due to return, what do you guys think about Val? Leave him at the back <coughs> and Dugan to centre or Val to the wing? Personally, I think Val offers a lot in attack 
from the back and cover the lack of attack that comes from the Sharks pedestrian number seven. Personally, Thoughts? I think the Sharks have played better without Dugan. I think they've played better without Dugan too. And like we said, after a few cracks and a bit of time back there, Val's getting better and better. Mm. And he's younger and he's not injury prone like Dugan is, missing a game, playing two games and missing three weeks. Then he played one game and he's been out for four to six weeks. They paid him to be a centre. He's a centre. Yep. And realistically, I wouldn't make the decision right now, but Ramian is going to be gone at the back end of the year. I don't think they're going to force Dugan back into that spot. Latelli's on the other side of the field, but more than likely, someone's pushing to the wing for him to come <clears> into the side. And Fecky, they're trying to sell right now. Fecky's gone. Yeah, that's, that's they're, they're that's trying to free money out. To who? I don't know, but they've... They want him out to get Aaron Woods in. Yeah. They need to free up some money. I heard it's done. So, yeah. Jordan Palmer, <laughs> how bullshit is the Warriors are resting players instead of sending them to Denver? They got the rub of the green every year with origin period and getting to play under strength sides in New Zealand. But as soon as they're asked to give some players up, they crack the shits. Well, they're not. It's like we said before. Players. This is not from International Rugby League and the NRL and everything like that. This is a promoter setting up a game, taking over there. Some would be happy to get a jersey and go play in America, but their wages are getting paid by their club and the players get the decision. Two of these guys are fresh off injury. They're obviously going to be in the finals this year and want to focus on that. But, RTS played one game last week, so I don't know why everyone's might, getting pissed. They might not ever get back to the finals, no the Warriors. Yeah, well, you never know. It takes them six years to get there. Yeah, it's a massive hindrance in the middle of the season to be flying there and then coming back on a short turnaround. Benny Bennett, thoughts on the Tigers? What difference, if any, will Mbai and Farrah make? Keep up the awesome work. They'll make a difference. Whether it's enough to get them in the eight remains to be seen. Yeah, I think we said it before. They definitely need a better number nine. They've got that to finish off the year. They've got someone <laughs> with good service who offers a bit more of a threat. He doesn't run as much anymore because he's not quick enough. <laughs> it's got a bit of a kicking game, but overall, the ruck's going to be much better. Mbai brings a dynamic that is needed to have a threat out the back because at the moment, Thompson's a good ball runner. When Lola here's been there, he can ball play, but he's too error prone. Mbai's a massive upgrade at the back. Yeah. So they should be better in attack. Uh, but moving on to the last part of the show, we've got Mr. Gossip and tips and some bets. Obviously, not as much this week with the rep round, but we'll address all that quickly. But all this brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate Boxhead. And, uh, they're better the week last weekend. Obviously, went down. They took the doggies, I think, with the start, and obviously, they ended up getting drubbed. But I could see the logic behind that. Obviously, yeah. you got the Bulldogs at Belmore <laughs> in Byers' last game. You thought they would have put in a better effort, but they didn't. It was a rough week. They've broke even, and then they had four hot weeks in a row, and they were about 2,000 ahead last week, and they gave a little bit back. Uh, but they're still 1,000 ahead for the season. They are still up 2.5% there, so uh, looking for a bit of a turnaround. I don't think there'll be too much this weekend for the rep round, no. but we'll get a better of the week and hopefully an affiliate link up for everybody out there for a bonus deposit on the origin. Three charity bets in a row, though, thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate Boxhead on fire. You got Latrell Mitchell. You did a double the week before, and then on the weekend we had Dragons, Souths, and the Raiders. So. Yeah, and I, more personally, I had the Warriors. I had that same multi with the Warriors in it. I took well. the Warriors as well, my own. <laughs> I had a couple of try scorers again, which was nice. So yeah. always good to get cashed up. But uh, looking ahead for the Pro Sports Syndicate, keep your eyes out for those bonus bets and those affiliate links again. Good sign ups. We had the one the other week for Neds, which was five hundred in. You put get five hundred back. I took the Ladbrokes one. I think it was 250 for 250. Will Hill 100 for 100. So good value there if you're looking to open an account and get some bonus bets, which are always very handy. The package itself, the tips for the rest of the year, half price for your first month, $99. If the tips don't return a profit, so obviously like this week, if they had a bad one and they don't turn that over, next month for free, no locking contracts, cancel any time. But they've been pretty good so far. One bad week, I'm sure they'll hit back strongly. Yeah. So thanks to Will, uh, Matt, and all the boys there at the Pro Sports Syndicate. But... New South Wales, Brock, probably the main one we want to talk about as far as tips and betting is concerned. 
They're $1.39 favourites with the Pro Sports Syndicate. Three ten for Queensland. Minus eight is the line. Overs, unders is 35.5. And, and that's the interesting one, I guess, coming into ANZ Stadium. I think this is more likely to be unders for this game than compared to one like the MCG. 1 to 12, New South Wales, 280, 440, Queensland, 13 yeah, plus. It was pretty cold and slippery that night at the MCG. I think it was, but that, that looked like a pretty fast track. 250, New South Wales, 13 plus, $10, Queensland. What would you bet on looking at this year? What would be the market of choice? Would you like overs, unders, well, you, like margins? If you like Queensland, you back them just head to head, 310. I didn't, um, I didn't mind the eight points, and if it was eight and a half, I'd be on that. Well, eight, yeah. Um, I'd, I'd steer clear at the moment of over, under, because. I th- like for Wednesday night perspective. So if you're listening to this on you know Friday or Saturday, you're going to have a better idea on what the weather's going to be like. And even if it's a day of the game, you're certainly going to have an idea on what the weather's going to be like. So that that line will probably be adjusted or either come in or go out. I'd imagine it'll come in. Uh, for me, I, I'd be looking at a margin. I've I've picked New South Wales to win by 14, but the safe bet would be to bet back New South Wales one to 12. You're getting more value there. It's 280. Uh, 13 plus is 250. They probably should have won by 13 plus in the first game. Yeah. Uh, well, they definitely should have won by 13 plus in the first game. Yeah. Uh, well, the goal kicking blew it, and then the two goal late kicking, tries. The they two late get... tries, they got held up. Yeah. And I was feeling you weren't. You got the unders. Try. I had the 13. I had plus. New South Wales 1 to 12 in the but first game. I was lucky. I got the double try score bet. So I won about 400 on Tedesco try win, and I had mm. Latrell, which was obviously our charity bet. I followed him. I'm as just well. pretty confident that New South Wales are going to be better. I think they're going to be. Cutthroat. I think Freddie. I think Freddie. And no offense to Laurie Daly. I, I don't want to offend Laurie Daly here, but I think Freddie is ten times the coach Laurie Daly is. I think- ten times the man motivator the Laurie Daly is, and has picked a ten times better side well, than think- Laurie Daly has. And I think the team that we're playing. Queensland is worse than what they were last year, and we almost won, la- well, they've, well, take won out, last year. Take out the whole spine. There's good individuals like Munster Hunt and everyone. We're talking about club form, but they haven't played together. They don't have this combination yeah. over a decade that we've seen come through. And I'm with you on all the stuff with Laurie Dale, and it's no knocking, but like they said, Laurie was loyal, and Ricky Stewart and all these guys brought up, and he's too good of a bloke and too friendly that it probably yeah. undone him in the end. We he, that he was a, he's a great facilitator. Yeah. He would have been perfect if he was a Queenslander to go in and coach that Queensland side because there's not a lot of coaching that needs to be done. No. The fact that he was in charge of the team that was worse over his, yeah. over his tenure, worse, meant that from a coaching and selection and motivation and all that point of view, he needed to be better. Yeah, And he, and he also, wasn't. He doesn't have the experience there. So. No, and he also had blokes, like I said, let him down and he was oh, too friendly did. in the environment yeah. and he needed to make changes quicker. And Ricky Stewart... I think Freddie's all over this. Yeah, he is. I think he's he all over it. And I um, think the blokes in around him as well are better for the camp as well. They've got all So these it's a blokes. tough one, man. It's a tough one. I, I'm, I'm not going to bet until the day of the game. I'm not betting until closer either. Um, once I get a look at the track, we get into the stadium, we know what the weather's like. We know what the wind's like there. We know it can be quite it windy can swirl. down there. We're smart dudes, man. We'll make we'll make bets based on the, con- decision, uh, on the conditions. We'll make bets based on the wind, the weather. Well, like I said, um, and any late changes. Like you could bet now and then have someone get injured for New South Wales, someone roll their ankle. Queensland, you know, Slater could come in. Ponga could go to fullback and just changes the dynamic. And of if team. that line gets out, I'll take it. I reckon that the line for me oh, right look, now. I, I think I don't now, want if you like, if you like Queensland, take the eight. I'll, I don't, I don't think half. it's going. I don't think it's ever going to get longer than that. Do you reckon? Do you I reckon think people are going to back? Yeah, well, if Slater on game day, <laughs> if within time, or if someone pulled out or Napa and Slater went, and it was like Glasby and Ponga in, I know Ponga's good. But I think they may give me another point or give me that half point I want. But at the same time, I'm with you. Two eighty. You'd get probably a dollar eighty seven if you went pick your own line. You'd only lose four cents on yeah. the on the 
to get the extra half point. Well, two eighty is my market with you. I'm I'm on with that. See, if at at eight, I'd rather take six and a half and take a longer odd. I'd take six and a half instead of eight. Yeah, do you know well, what I mean? And then get two dollars or whatever you get for it. <clears throat> well, looking at the man of the matches as we spoke about before, James Maloney, uh, he's the favourite for man of the match, seven dollars, along with Damien Cook, who obviously my man Gossip both went on the Cook side of things. Nathan Cleary at ten. Tedesco at 10. I think Tedesco is a good value too because he likes to play at that middle corridor. So it wouldn't surprise me if New South Wales win if him and Cook are in the thick again. Uh, Boyd Cordner, $12. Munster, 13. Frizzell, 15. Clemmer, 17. Along with Slater, Hunt, Inglis at 19. Maguire, Ponga at 9. That's one if he's playing at $19. I know that's a massive long shot, but first that's game. Worth a fiver. Munster at 13, I think, as well, if they win, would be a pretty good bet. Or Maguire. Josh McGuire at nine dollars. So they're the kind of few that you look at for them there. Uh, what price is who did you get on? You're on Frizzell, yeah? I'm on Frizzell. He's fifteen to one. So what Frizzell. price is um? What price is Andrew McCulloch? Thirty four dollars. Mm. Looking on that side of things, Crichton. I just think a spine player. He could always have an effect on this game. Yeah, and I think I I think he copped a few kicks in the. Kicks in the guts, like Ennis went after him and said he needs to run more and yada, yada, yada. And he came out, he was good, McCulloch, and said, listen, you know, like, oh, I'm not going to run more because um, Michael Ennis tells me to run more. Yeah. If, if there's opportunities to run, I'll run. If not, I'm just going to play my game. I, I like Andrew McCulloch. Like yeah. Last year, before, Clean he, skin. before he snapped his leg, man, he was almost the best player in the comp last he year. He was great. So, Clean um, skin. It just wouldn't surprise me to see him have a an effect on a game. And, and he likes this type of game, this sort of conditions, you know? Yeah. First try scorers, as we said before, James Tedesco, $11. Tom Trevojevic, 10 Latrell at 11 James Roberts, 13 Addo Carr, uh, who we're both on there. He's at the $8 mark. James Maloney for Gossip was at 23 Cleary. I like back rowers in Sydney. That always seems to be the first try scorer because of those conditions. So Cordner and Frizzell, $19 and $23. I think there's a bit of good value Frizzell there. Frizzell just a scorer tries four fifty. Yeah, so the back rower value there. Uh, off the bench, Vaughan. Not first try scorer, but just a score. I had him in Melbourne. What price is he? He was 650. 650. Yeah. Jake Trevojevic can snag a try hanging around the ruck. 650 as well. Uh, on the Queensland side of things, Billy Slater, first try, 19. $13 first try for Val Holmes. Inglis, 17. Will Chambers, 23. Gagai, $13. Munster, 23. I like Felice again if I was going to go back row on that side of things. First try scorer, $29. 550 anytime on that side of things for uh, New South. Oh. Yeah, Queensland. So there's some try scorers, man of the match, and a bit of value there thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate. We've all tipped New South Wales uh, by a range of different margins. Obviously, the rep round weekend, there's the women's game also brought for the first time being played on free to air TV. That's going to be cool. That's man. live on Friday night from North Sydney Oval. So if you're keen to get out there and watch the ladies run around in the first women's state of origin, they're going to be showing live. That's 7 30 at North Sydney. And there's some very good players. Obviously, I think uh, from memory, the Queenslanders dominated that for a long time, and I think New South Wales have taken it back the last couple of years. Yeah, there's been a, there was a draw, and then they've won the last two New South Wales. Maddie Studd on the young number seven they brought in only, I think, last year for a start. She's the captain. She's outstanding there at number seven. Kezi Apps is the, probably the standout that most people know in the female game. She's six one, six two. She's an absolute gun for New South Wales. Sam Bremner, the fullback as well. She's obviously a part of the, the Australian setup. She's a gun, and one of the centres, Isabel Kelly. She's young. She's powerful, so... There's just a few from New South Wales. On the Queensland side of things, the number nine, Brittany Braley. She's quite a talented player. I've seen her play a bit. And the seven, Ali Brigginshaw, she's quite a good player as well. And uh, they've got the veteran on the bench, the front row, Steph Hancock, who's been around for a long time. So 
they're looking to turn things around, but I think New South Wales have the upper hand the last few years. Ran Sim, she's injured, so she's not playing in that one. Uh, I'm not really sure about a lot of it because I don't see a lot, but I think from what I've seen in the past and some of the names here, I'd be going New South Wales in, no in the ladies' game. I've got no idea. And I think they would have a betting I'm going to market. watch it, but man, it's going to be cool. But the betting market for the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.50 for the New South Wales women's team and two fifty five for the Queensland side. The line is five and a half if you like Queensland in that one. The internationals, Papua New Guinea up against Fiji. Uh, looking at that side of things, there's some names that we do know. Justin Olam, he's playing fullback from Melbourne there. Most of the sides obviously made up from the Hunter side up there in North Queensland. Lock and Liam. Son of Adrian in the halves with Watson Boas. Stanton Albert, you know, Penrith, Luke Page used to be there. Canberra and... Jared Haynes playing halfback for Fiji. Yep. James Seguiara, <laughs> captain and nine. Reese Martin in the back row. Rock and Rod Griffin, Kurt Baptiste on the bench. Nene McDonald in 18. That's a bit weird. You'd think he'd be in the side. That's, uh, uh, yeah, for Fiji. They'd Who's the... favourites in that game? Fiji. I'd be tipping Fiji. I'm going to back up him. Naguama, Vunavalu, Uate, Phillips, Montoya. Henry Willie plays uh, New South Wales Cup and Massey for Mounties. Evans, Lovadua. Vunaketse, uh, Junior Celesi Fianga was one of the gun back rails in the Para 20s. Where's team. your dude, the Soccer Balavu? Is he in there? Soccer Balava! He's he, on the bench. He's Pia. in there, yeah. That's the other special from Vossi. There's two of them. Mossadriki! Isn't yeah. there? There's two of them. That's nah, got two of them by mistake. Soccer Balava, Soccer Balava. They're oh, both sorry. Yeah, I'll be taking Fiji in this one, but looking at the I'm odds for that on one. A, mate, get on well, mate, Papua New Guinea. Big odds there, 450 for Papua New Guinea. That's 13 and a half. You've got the Hunters, Oof. all the Hunters players there. Fiji, $1.20, 13 and a half to start. That's the value of Jared that. Jared half back. 1 to 12, Papua New Guinea, six fifty three dollars for Fiji. 13 plus for Papua New Guinea Come is on, $15, $1.80 Fiji. I'd be having PNG plus 13 and a half into... Uh, Samoa, uh, Tonga, minus 12 and a half. Well, Samoa and Tonga, they've named squads, not sides, but you get the rough idea here. Fafida will be playing front row with Adam Fanua, Blake, Harvili. Most likely the nine. Hingano will be one of the halves, you'd assume, in that side. Uh, Manu Mau in the back row, Lola here. Katoa will be playing nine. The Jennings boys in the back uh, back line with Hopawade and Hurrell. Offa Hengawai, Jason Tamalo, CSEO Tokiaho, Daniel Taropo. That's a loaded side. Yeah. Uh, Samoa's got a good squad as well, but I think especially in the forward pack, I think Tonga's got it all over him. Samoa. You look at Samoa, they've got Bunty Afoa's having a great year, Michael Cheekham, Josh Aloye, James Garve, Cassiano. So they've got a pretty decent pack themselves. Outside backs, you've got Timmy Lafay and Joey Leilua probably in the centres. Christian Crichton looking to get a debut. On that side of things for them, Tyra May being the Haves, Timo, playing in the halves. Anthony Milford reportedly will be playing fullback for uh, them. So you'd assume that if he's fullback, that Peter Godnay will be in the halves with Tyra May. Georgie Tafua. What, um... Isaiah Papali. So, what price for Joey Leilua to start a fight in that game? <laughs> <laughs> I'd say you'd get pretty good odds on that one. Mm. But Samoa, four twenty-five with the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.22 for Tonga, 12 and a half again. So if you don't think it's going to be a blowout, you get some value there. No, I'm going... I'm taking... They're pretty Mice. fiery games, but one to twelve for Samoa is six dollars. Three ten for Tonga, thirteen plus for Samoa, eleven dollars one ninety for Tonga. But yeah, for me, Fiji Tonga, and the women's game, I'd be all over that. New Zealand versus England over there. Now, England squad for us, we're talking about this earlier. There's a lot of guys in there that probably shouldn't be there anymore, and that's. <sighs> Chris Hill for me. Uh, Chris Hill is horrendous. O'Loughlin's been a weapon for a long time, but it's got, got to the point where they brought Bennett in to help develop and bring in some of the younger players. Yeah, start, the, the, yeah Stephen Ratchford, 
Sean O'Loughlin, Chris Hill, and James Graham shouldn't be there. Yeah, you got to at some point move on and get some blood in there. So I'm sorry to say it's Moisey. I'm sorry to say, but it's Benny. He just <laughs> won't move on. Wayne, you got the job on a technicality on the fact that you said you're going to grow English Rugby League. You are nothing. You're a fool and you're a waste of time. Good night. There you go. Uh, and George Williams. I think you've obviously got your halves there. <laughs> Roby playing nine. Same deal again. I know they've got injuries with Houghton. Daryl Clark probably hasn't been playing the best football, but you said Daryl Powell is good football over there at Cass. So. No, Daryl Clark. Daryl Clark. Daryl Clark. No, yeah. Daryl Powell's yeah. the coach. The coach, yeah. Sorry, yeah. mixed that one up. But you got Lomax. You'd assume he'd be playing fullback. Widop and Williams, unless Ratchford plays fullback. Lukey Thompson is like James Graham 10 years ago. Yeah, it's Big ranger prop from uh, St. Helens. And they're going good, man. But yeah. Tommy Makinson and a few others in from St. Helens. Jack Connor, I'm young surprised bloke in. There's a few there from Leeds that I thought would be there that aren't, so... There you go. But on their side of things, they haven't made a whole lot but of changes. I'm a, a lead timer. This is a brand new New Zealand squad. Obviously, a lot of guys opting out and a few guys that moved on to Tonga last year. But Armel on debut. SSA, SASA is on debut. Raymond Fitella Mariner on debut. Slade Griffin. <coughs> There's two guys that will miss out here. I think they've named 19. But Jermaine Azaka, he's been exceptional at the Broncos this year. He's in line for a debut as well. Big Nelson. I guess the big thing for them is the halves. Tamari Martin and Nick Arima are likely to be the halves unless they push to go a different angle like they did a couple of years ago and play Hiku or someone in there with Martin instead of Nicarima. But tell you what, they've got a beast forward pack. Well, Martin Tapao is one of your front rollers. Forward pack, You're going to have Jared in there. You've they've got, got Herman, Nelson, Nelson, S-E-S-E-S-E, Fitala Mara. Fisher Harris will be the lock. Harris. You're going to have your edges with Joe Topine, most likely, and Fitala Mariner. Frickin' hell. Ken Marmolo bringing it back to the back. Tapao. People were knocking this side. I still don't think that's a bad side. No, the, they're forwards. Isaac Luke there as well. Your question is, where's it is coming he playing? from? Yeah. Oh, man. It, the question is your halves. You need you more. Need it. It. it would just be five up for, a, <laughs> five up for an elbow. Just a, a bunch of offloads. Oh. I, I honestly reckon New Zealand at bad value. What price are the they? The bookies are on it at 215. Yeah. Yeah. Get on, If there was a little more value, I'd be more intrigued or at least a bit of a four and a half start or something like that. But with the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.70 for England, 215 for New Zealand, minus two and a half is the line. One to twelve England, three dollars three forty for New Zealand. Thirteen plus England, three fifty five fifty. I'll tell you what, I'm New tempted Zealand. to take New Zealand thirteen plus. I didn't mind the squad when I saw it. I just looked more at the halves and thought if they roll yes. and Luke gets on the back of it, they could cause England some trouble. A monkey in a suit could do a job. A monkey in a suit could do a better job. This English side looks old and slow, and there's a couple of guys that shouldn't be there. Where's McGeekin and mm. Rain Sutton if he's so good and going to Canberra? Where's a few forwards? Where's the Plus, turnover? it's at altitude, which means that the older dudes are going to fatigue quicker. Well, I'll tell you what, if the New Zealand get the, the offloads going early and Look, start I, I tipped the 13 plus last week and come up with the goods at six, 6 to 1. I hope people got into that. I got a few tweets back saying that people had jumped on board. Someone um, said that they backed them 1 to 12. It's like, you just fucked up big time. I just took Raiders because they're outsiders at 220. That just seemed the value for me instead of picking the line, but... Uh, yeah, that was my thought. But the other game here, there's Get no... On. New Zealand 13+, plus. I'm calling it now. It's my bet of the week. I'm going to go 1-12. <laughs> I'm all over it. 1-12 for New Zealand. 13-plus. I'll, I'll, I'll they win by 40. And the last game we're going to go down earlier for this, the New South Wales Cup and Queensland Cup residence team. So uh, looking at these two sides, I do a bit of New South Wales Cup, and there was a few that surprised me, in all honesty. They haven't named a side, though, which is pretty annoying. <sighs> They've done the old alphabetical squad. Uh, Queensland, on the other hand, they've named a team, and it's a pretty good one. Scotty Drinkwater, he's a Storm junior. He's been killing up there at fullback. Jonas Pearce and everyone's seen him play for the Broncos. Marion Seve, I think he was linked to their system. Gemahat Shibasaki, he's another young kid who almost debuted for the Broncos the other week. Khalifa Leifat, Fire Fire Law, a bit of a veteran, been in a couple of clubs. 
Walters, Fogarty, Nat Neal, Politani, Anderson, Pat Cafusi, Leary, Mago. There's a lot of NRL players in this one. Uh, hard to pick not knowing quite what the New South Wales side is going to put on the field, but there is a couple of good players there. Jaden Braley's younger brother, probably be playing at nine. Uh, he's been pretty good for Newtown this year. Luke Garner, the back row for West. He played wing in that grand final for Manly a couple of years ago. He's come along in leaps and bounds. He's a very good footballer. Marwin Hiroti from South, out in the outside backs. Uh, Sean O'Sullivan, he's only been playing cup for a couple of weeks for Wyong at the Roosters there. He's been named in this squad. So yeah. could be a very young halves pairing with him and Kyle Flanagan. But yeah, some players to look out for in that one. <clears throat> there you go. There you go. All that brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. And the last thing from them, Brock, is gossip's gossip. That's all we got here. Let's hear it. Storm. We heard this during the week. They are keen to have a talk with Blake Austin and bring him into their system. Interesting. All I know is if he goes down there, I think it's one of these one-year come-prove-it deals, basically. Yeah. And I tell you one thing, he'll learn how to defend if he goes to Melbourne. Because right now, that is one of the biggest holes in his game. And I said it a couple of years ago. Hasn't developed a kicking game. Ball playing's not there. The best thing he's got going for him is his show and go when things are rolling. But other than that, there's not much game management. There's not a lot of strings to his bow. If he goes to Melbourne, it'll be for a pretty small deal and I think it'll be one year to basically revive his game. But I don't know how it works with Munster there. You've got two sixes. They want they need a seven, not a six. Brody Cross, Brody Cross is seven. And that's the thing. They're going to keep <laughs> developing Croft. So I don't understand this move unless Billy's retiring and you're saying and Munster's going to go And Jack's not yet, yeah. but that's what I'm looking at. Saying, okay, if you're saying this deal is going to happen... saying that Brisbane are trying to sign Jack. That would be... T- oh, I think a few clubs are interested. But this would okay. tell me that you're thinking Munster may go back to fullback if Austin's coming to play six and Croft is seven. But Munster's been exceptional. That's saying that Billy's going to retire. I think he will retire. At the end of this year? He's struggling now and having all these injuries. I don't think he'll push on. Well, they're going to need a call on that before they go and spend some cash on Austin. I don't think they're going to spend cash. I think they're going to try and go in low. Getting him, okay. Talk is Parramatta's kind of interested as well, but and leads your mob over there. Apparently, we're interested for Super League purposes. But who in Austin? Yeah, he'd oh, go well in Super. He League. would, he would. But I just look at it and think if he's going there, it'd be a bottom basement deal, and from a half, that'd be two fifty three hundred k. I reckon it'd be a suck and see it deal if you can mm-hmm. follow all these things and do the right thing. But that to me says Billy's retiring, Munster's your one, which then pushes Hughes out, and then you've got Drinkwater playing well up there. So they've got some decisions to make as far as depth is concerned. But I don't know. Would you be interested at Austin at the right price? No. Depending on the shuffle. Not at 27, 28 with the, what he's got in his game right now. Seems inconsistent. Yep. All right. Tyron Roberts, one of Gossip's favourites. He's going back next year to your mob, 2019. Pair up with Ash Taylor. I assume from what I said the other day to you, so, Brimson yeah. is a fullback six and he played very well at fullback last year. That Michael Gordon at 34, 35, when he retires, Brimson would move to that role. Or Brimson goes to one and Gordon goes to a wing. Well, that's the other option, yeah. yeah. So, your thoughts uh, on Tyron Roberts coming back? Oh, I was disappointed when he left. Compared to LG right now, who's but definitely on the way out. He spent some time in the... See, I don't understand that either. Like, he's a kid. LG's a kid. Well, the Raiders are apparently um, sniffing around that because of the year he had with Caesar before he got injured, and they might be able to pick him up on the cheap, similar deal. So, they're interested in Kane LG. Yeah, that's smart. I, I don't know, man. I... I'd keep LG. I'd keep Brimson. If you're getting Roberts at the right price, yeah, he's a good 14. Mm-hmm. You know, he can go on and play fullback. He can play nine. He could play in the halves. He filled in a lot of holes that year. Um, we made the eight. So, But I'm just... Questions over whether he can come back and play like that. He's spent two years in the Super League. and He's only just gone this year. Is it two years? No. This is his first year over there, and he wanted to bail out because he's homesick. Hang on a minute. Didn't he? He played there last year. I'm sure he played there last year. First year this year with Steve Price. 
So where was he last year? He was with you guys. He no, was like your utility. Not last year, was not Pretty sure he was. I bet you a thousand he wasn't there last well, year. We'd have to look something up. I'm having a Here we right. go. We're on it right now. It's a contest. <sighs> no, I'm not even bothering. I'm right. I'm telling you. He wasn't there last year. Tyrant Roberts. I swear he was with you guys last year. No. You're a fool and a waste of time. Good night. There you go. 27, eh, mate? Gold no. Coast Titans. He must have left mid year. Yeah, well, still, he was there last year. He certainly. Um, 27, eh? And it was announced October 27, that he'd be joining Warrington. So, so he, finished he was there. there last year. Yeah, I told you he was there last year. All right, and he just went. Apologies. That's right. Dan. So you're 50 50 on coming back. You reckon they should push on with LG? You're not sure. He's 27 years old. Nothing. That's right. not like my team at the moment. Moving on. Victor Adley, massive re-signing for the Roosters until 2023. He had one year left to go on his deal. I'm sure they probably would have upgraded that. Four years on top. So they've moved to act and not letting anyone get even close to him or let him get on the market, which no surprise, the Roosters are very, very good. Sorting these things out, smart move. I don't think there's much else that needs to be said about that. Smart. Matt Lodge, mediation sorted out this afternoon, saw that. Uh, so he's got a yeah, loan. Good on him. Now, now I think people get the fuck... Just... Leave him alone. Yeah. Like he's cross he's cop he's copped it. He's been through the ringer. Um he's been booed, he's been vilified, he's like he fucked up, get it? Yeah, and he's, and he's, and he's change, copped up but... a couple of times. He's a kid. Um he's now in his mid twenties. He he seems on the surface to be contrite. He seems on the surface to have grown up, which is a good thing. Just leave him alone. I think the biggest thing is he can't leave the Broncos, and for me that is because they are excellent. But he's mediated. With he's getting a loan, so he's paid it back. He's got to pay the loan back. Yeah. So and it's paid. The de- the deficit is paid. The Broncos have made it clear today they haven't paid a cent, and they're not allowed to upgrade him or do anything without approval of the NRL. See, so that's horseshit as well. He should be, he should be upgraded based on what he's doing on the field. Well, they have to go to the NRL now. Well, so. that's a crock of shit. Paul White. If they've got money, they the the NRL shouldn't be telling them how to spend it. Exactly. But Paul White and the Broncos set up, and he's a former cop himself. I think that's the perfect environment. He needs to stay at the Broncos. Yeah. Let's talk about other offers. He can't leave? go anywhere. He needs Why to stay with the Broncos. Yeah. So it's good that that's been resolved. Newcastle and Cronulla are in the hunt for your man at the Titans, Keegan Hipgrave, at the moment. We said last week. That Have he? He's uh, he got you know, twice in a game. Rough, rough around the edges, and he's got some things to work out. But Newcastle now in with Cronulla, which we already heard about. He'd fit right in at Cronulla. Yeah. Interesting one. Penrith to sign Lloyd Parrott, according to Mr. Gossip. It is interesting. I assume that's only because it's a value buy more than anything else. Yeah, must be getting him on the cheap. Where's he from? Dogs. Manly. Manly. I don't understand that one. But unless it's just for salary cap, uh, on that side of things, I'm not too sure. We've already mentioned Ferguson talking to Newcastle. They're trying to finalise a deal to get him up there next year. That'd be a big signing. Souths next week will be sitting down with Corey Oates. They want to talk to him about possibly coming down to play back row next year. Okay, so that would mean John Sutton's retiring? No, that's for the replacing Angus Crichton, who's okay. moving on. Is he going to move on? Well, they've come out this week apparently and said that that's a done deal and they've moved on or they're going to be moving on, so I don't know. I've heard plenty of murmurs like you. Apparently there's some third parties and things that haven't been done yet, which is why I asked last week. I don't think Corey, is the deal. I don't think Corey Oates is back row. Well, that's what his junior position was. He just came in a great early like a lot of guys on the wing. Yeah, but like, how long has it been since he played back row? Well, he played it all during the preseason and he's only 22 years old. I think a lot of people yeah. forget how old he is. What's the sample size of that part? That was his In spot. NRL, I know, don't have a sample. He's spot. one of those dudes like a lot so of. So, are you going to go and pay him on a proven that he's un, uh, on a position he's unproven in? I just, I just don't get it. Well, that's South's risk to take, I guess. But you can't tell me on frame and the way he carries the football. No, but... I love him as a winger. Yeah, but I think on frame, the way he carries well, footwork, go... 
you haven't you can't say that because he's been playing them. You know what? It might be smart to go. Yeah, man, we'll bring you here as a back row. I'll pay him less than probably what you'd have to if he was one of the gun wingers. And I think he is one of the top. I think the money of wingers in the NRL. I think the money for the money would be pretty similar, wouldn't it? That's say the money for a gun winger, like a top line winger, yardage finish like him, is about half a million. And I think a good back row, like a good first grade back row, is about that as well. Mm. So I don't think you can lose either way. Yeah. If it doesn't work out, you push him over Put there, him and you're going to have to find someone. So I like him. I like him as well. But he's he's twenty two. Yeah. That's the thing people keep like. Oh, he's he's young. He's so young. He came in at eighteen because he was this monster. Mm. And it's like any of these good kids. It's like we just need to get him in. And a lot of people now go. You can take a yardage carry because you're a big body. We'll put you on the wing. We just got to learn how to catch and do a few bits. And he's been exceptional. I think it was a physicality thing. Uh, being younger, but anyway, well, he yeah. was a big body. But the last two things we've got here, uh, as far as my mail is concerned, Jackson Hastings will be going to Huddersfield. So the manly debacle will be over. He'll get a chance to go over there and try and play some football in the Super League. And Uate, I'm pretty sure, Aquilio Uate announced that he's going to Huddersfield for a couple of years as well as of next year. So. There you go. There you go. All the gossip wrapped up. Big thank you. Huge show. Origin preview, reviews, fan questions. How long is show going for? Two and a half. It's massive. Jeez. Don't say we don't love you blokes I'm out not there. Getting over all the fans, years. all the ladies, anyone that listens to the show. We do extra. We put in the time. I've got an angry pregnant wife on the lounge out there. Yeah. My girlfriend's somewhere sitting there <laughs> waiting for me to come home. I'm just taking my time talking footy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good times. But there you go, all summed up. Bit of chat about the international round. Probably not as in-depth as most people like, but to be honest, I'm more worried about the origin side of things. About the international round. Looking forward to watching a couple of those games, but I want to see the NRL again, and I'm interested for origin. Fingers crossed that New South Wales Boxhead can get the job done, well, and we can move forward with this young team and hopefully try and take control of things for the next couple of years. But Queensland, they can never be counted out, that's for sure. Mm. And, uh, big thank you Penrith Solar Centre you Get on to Jake and the boys there About that Nepean Boltmaster N-E-P Bolt.com.au Warren if you're a tradesman Like myself Get in contact with Was and the boys there Sort yourselves out You can source all your tools And trade needs Poker Deluxe.com.au If you're a sporting club Looking for a fundraiser See how they can guarantee you A $1,000 profit $100 off your fundraiser If you mention the podcast And the Pro Sports Syndicate We'll come up with a charity bet box For Origin not quite sure what we're looking at yeah, just on the, yet. On the day of the game. I'll but I reckon it. a try win or something like that will come up with something. But massive thank you to the Pro Sports Syndicate. How Look, much are we up to with the charity account now? I don't know. I have to ask him. We must have hit 1,000. Don't know. We had a couple of wins and we had a gap and then we won three in a row. We didn't even get to 1,000 last year, did we? A, Yeah, we did. Only I think I, got, I did the World Cup with Wade a little bit after. I think we got about 1,300 to finish yeah. off. But we're doing $50 bets this year, so it's going to be harder to get That's there. But yeah. <coughs> uh, look out for those affiliate links we'll try and get something up through the Pro Sports Syndicate get onto that package half price $99 for your first month no locking contracts if you don't get a profit from that you get your second month free cancel any time massive thank you Matt, Will and all the boys at the Pro Sports Syndicate get on board with that if you're a serious punter on the rugby league and most importantly enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league bring it on give us more give us more where are you going where, 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 what's going on here is that it? Is that it? Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 